All right. Well, welcome to uh, Ace Podcast uh, number 14, I believe. We're at Bear Camp in Maine uh, with uh, Jason and Randy Cross, uh, two uh, master Maine guides. And I'm really excited to be here. Uh, We are on day six, I believe, of a seven-day hunt. And we have uh, one more day tomorrow. It's been really exciting, uh, but we haven't gotten a bear yet. So, um, but I can't tell you how... how, Despite uh, our best efforts. (laughs) We we have. We've been trying really hard. And, but I can't tell you how, uh, how awesome it's been to be hunting and be this excited and not have seen a bear yet (laughs) i've seen a lot of really fresh bear sign that i've never seen before i mean really fresh like the bear was just here type stuff and i'm really impressed by both of you um and uh i'd really like to get to know you more jason randy this is your second uh uh you're the only person who's been on twice (laughs) so uh but it's only been 14 episodes so um, so welcome back, Randy. No, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna play a backup role. I think on you're gonna. This one. <laughs> that remains to be seen. <laughs> you're you're uh, you're you're always the the main focus. You're the reason why I'm here in uh, the reason why I'm here in Maine. So, uh, but Jason, yeah, let's let's uh, let's get to know you a little bit. You're you're Randy's son, and uh, you're a, you're a master main guide, like I said. Tell us about you, and tell us about your business here, and what you do. Yeah, uh, so I run and operate uh, Smoking Rivers Guide Service. Uh, we do fully guided canoe trips uh, all over North America, actually, um, but we're based right here in Maine. And uh, they're fully guided, fully outfitted. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> gotcha. So that's new to, new to me, the, the, the river trips. Can you ex- kind of explain what that is? Yeah. Uh, it, it was a more popular thing uh, in a generation ago. But um, basically we, we start in one place and we uh, do kind of a through trip to a, a different destination. Um, all of our trips are multi-day trips, um, so our shortest trip is a three-day trip, and our longest one goes up to three weeks. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, geographically, where where are you? And Because you've talked, we've talked a lot over the campfire over the last six nights, and so I've heard about a lot of your adventures. Where do you focus your efforts, and then where can you go with these trips? Yeah, uh, well, we can go about anywhere that we can get into, <laughs> uh, wherever they can land a float plane. But um, <clears throat> we primarily work here in Maine. Uh, that's where we're based. We offer nine different trips here in the state of Maine uh, on nine different beautiful watersheds. Um, we also focus uh, in the springtime down the American Southwest. We go down to Texas and run the lower canyons of the Rio Grande. Uh, which is really spectacular. Um, from For us coming from New England, it is kind of like doing a canoe trip on Mars. Wow. Um, it's that different of an environment. Uh, but a lot of the things are still very much the same uh, when it comes to running a canoe trip and running basically an expedition-style uh, canoe trip is, is kind of how we do our trips. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. We also go up into Canada as well. Gotcha. So... Um 
you're as a master main guide what does that entail is it like like four or five different types of guides in one type of thing or um yeah in today's uh master main guide you can become a master main guide i believe after you've proven to be practicing uh in your trade for over 10 years i see um so it is and it's also a you have to record hours and prove that you were actually applying your skills as a guide uh, during that time. I see. Mm -hmm. But is it different from a hunting guide, um, a like a river guide? Yeah, that's correct. In in Maine, we uh, we do have multiple uh, guide licenses. Mm -hmm. um, the three most common ones is the recreation, the hunting, and the fishing. Guide license. Those are all three different guide licenses. Uh, we also have whitewater, uh, which pertains to rafting and sea kayaking. I see. Mm -hmm. Are you a guide in all those things? I'm not a, a rafting guide or a sea kayak guide. I see. Um, when I got my guide's license in order to become a master main guide, you needed to obtain your recreation, your fishing, and your hunting. I see. Um, so you had to have all three as uh, kind of a package to become a master. That's so awesome. that's what I pursued and uh, tested for all three of them at the same time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I'm one of, you know, the podcast is a lot about hunting. So I kind of wanted to focus on that a little bit, but I wanted you to talk about your uh, your expeditions because I think they're really cool. And, you know, a lot of the stories that you've told me, um and adventures that you've had are are, are they sound pretty exciting <laughs> they are pretty exciting uh, our our pursuit is to run the best rivers during the best time to do it um and wherever that may be right um so <clears throat> a lot of our trips are kind of like getting thrown back in time a little bit mm -hmm. um we do everything very traditionally uh, I was fortunate to be brought up in the industry and uh, got to learn from some really awesome old school main guides um, that have been able to pass a lot of these skills on to me. And so we're, we're kind of picking up the torch and carrying on those old traditions into the future. And that's relying on knowledge, skill, and not technology. Mm. Mm -hmm basically living off the land in a way in a way yeah um yeah, we definitely do uh all of our cooking over open campfires um we when we trip paddle um we're always thinking about weight to reward ratios with our gear um but we can carry a little extra gear uh, a lot of our clients find that they're pretty lavish trips all things considered because they're used to the hiking style, mm -hmm. um, uh, hiking style, uh, tripping or, or camping is very, very popular right now. Uh, mm -hmm. everything's about ounces and, and cutting weight. Um, but with a canoe, you can, you can carry quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, but you always want to weigh up, you know, is that, is that worth it? Is it not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now there's something called, uh, I talked with Kendall, um, or you call him Hoss, uh, Randy. Um, and he was saying something about, um, or was it Kendall? I wasn't sure if it was Kendall or, or Jake. Somebody was saying something about polling. 
like mm-hmm. using a pole. Um, that's kind of, I want to say a lost art, but that's something you don't hear about very often. It's the first time I heard about it here. Yeah. And the first thing I thought was Huck Finn going down on his, his raft with a pole. <laughs> is that, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but is that the same thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's similar. Um, it's, a it's a technique that was originally invented, if you will, thousands of years ago. Um, the native Americans that, uh, lived in this area, used canoes to travel that was their car that was their horse um the horses weren't up here at that time and they learned how to utilize all these watersheds that really encompass maine all the way through into even over into new york um they could uh you can jump in a canoe right here uh up on arnold pond and, and paddle into the uh, or short portage and then paddle into the saint lawrence or go south into Bangor or go to New York, wherever you want to go, the canoe was your mode of travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they used a pole? Yep. So they they had fairly limited tools to work with, um, but uh, one of the tools that they always relied on was a setting pole. Uh, a setting pole and knowing how to use a setting pole, uh, I often say it opens up all the options on the joystick. Huh. <laughs> Um, Can you, and, yeah, I was gonna yeah say. instead of being subjective to the current as you float along, you're actually using the bottom of the river to control the canoe and manipulate the canoe. That's terra firma. That's not moving. Um, so with a setting pole, you can stop, come to a dead stop in relationship to the land, not in relationship to the water. Um, back up, slide sideways. Turn around, go back upstream. Hmm. Um, you can you can literally manipulate the canoe in every angle, every option. With just one pole, with one pole, with the right amount of skill um, and and a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, and that's stand. Is that standing yep, in the canoe? You're standing in a canoe. Yeah. If anybody told you that you can't stand in a canoe, they were lying to you. <laughs> um, we uh, we do it all day, every day. Um, a standard canoe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we <clears throat> we don't use birch bark canoes uh, anymore, but uh, yeah, these these plastic uh, canoes that we use today, just a regular one that you can buy uh, at Old Town, or yeah, really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So that takes some practice, I would think. Yeah, uh, it, it takes a lot of practice to get good at it. Um, it takes a fair amount of practice just to get the basics of it, mm-hmm. but I often relate it to snowboarding and skiing. Um, and, and this is just coming from my personal experience. Uh, I've tried both. Uh, I've only been able to make the skis work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I learn snowboarding, I end up falling down all the time. Um, but skiing is relatively easy to kind of get the basics of, uh, Getting to be a real expert skier, that takes a lot of practice, a lot of skill. That's kind of like paddling. Um, Being a polar, it's a lot more like snowboarding. Um, You, When you first start off, you can't figure it out. It's very hard. Um, But then once you start to get your basics going, all of a sudden you're doing backflips, 360s, making the canoe do things that you just can't do with the paddle. Mm. Or or can't do easily. I mm-hmm. see. I see. Have you ever seen us uh, the stand up paddlers on the boards? 
the the sups. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, similar, but it, not really. It's similar. Uh, I mean, we stand up paddle too. Uh-huh. Um, we've always stand up paddled even before there was a stand up paddle board uh-huh. um, community. <laughs> gotcha. We were doing it in canoes, um, but. Yeah, it's similar to that, but again, you're you, when you're using a paddle, you're pushing off from the water. The water has currents; it's moving force. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, to a certain extent, subject to those moving forces. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're working off from pushing off from the land, um, you can, with with minimal effort, uh, control the canoe a, a lot better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you have to be kind of a lifeguard too on these trips. If somebody <laughs> falls in the water, you gotta you gotta know your CPR and your first aid and all that. I would take it as as a guide. Yeah, uh, to get your guide's license, you do need street first aid. Um, a lot of us that are in the industry pursue higher levels of um, wilderness medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a I'm a woofer myself. Um, woofer? Yeah, wilderness first responder. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I've been a WAFA, which is uh, Wilderness First Aid certified. Um, I, I do highly recommend uh, going through those programs. You learn a lot of uh, good knowledge about how to treat and take care of uh, certain injuries. And that's kind of the focus because when you're in the backcountry, and particularly like on our trips, um, we could be a day or more days from any substantial rescue, right. um, it, depending on how you, how what tact you take to get out, um, <clears throat> and you you're going to need to treat a lot more than you would on a str- on the street. Mm-hmm. On the street, you you kind of you call help, you package them, and then you ship them off to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, out in the woods, it's uh, you know it's it's the wild. You have a lot of different elements that you have to deal with, in, including weather, and uh, and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I um, my so spending six days with you, I've learned a lot about um, learning how to just relax. To be honest with you, uh, the the campfire, like being around the campfire, mm-hmm. is is like I feel like almost integral to that. Like it's. You, you need that part of it. You need that uh, uh, component of, of this kind of experience. And I don't know what it is about that whole sitting down at the campfire after everything is, you know, we've cooked. And even the cooking, like it, it all revolves around the campfire. Mm-hmm. I, I found that um, I've been around campfires before, but I never realized how after six days how important that really is. Am I overstating that? Yeah. No, I think you're hitting it right on the head. Um, campfires are vastly important to us, uh, not just physically, but also psychologically mm-hmm. in the in the wilderness. Um, it provides comfort. It provides a place for people to gather and, and um, to uh, really communicate and, and get along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why do you think that is? I mean... Just kind of watching the fire burn, listening to it crackle, like just the interaction of it, and yeah, and I think maybe I know it's a weird question for me to be asking, <laughs> but but I I'm like I'm I'm really taken with that part of the experience. I I think possibly you also experienced how you, how you can use a fire 
Um, and the fact that it, it's not just there for entertainment, it's also there for use. We, we were using it to cook on. Um, so even though it may not be a conscious thing, your internal mind is is saying, wow, this, this fire is really beneficial to me. Yeah. You know? Um, so then when you're hanging out by it in the evening and you're, you're laughing, you're telling stories and uh, carrying on, uh, I think that there's some, some carryover from that. Yeah. And, and that's why we, you know, that's part of the reason why we like to do things very traditionally. It creates a, a motif um, that you can't replicate with LEDs. Yeah. It, it just does. Yeah. Yeah. I um, We drove from camp to the cabin here on the uh, Canadian border, and I opened up the my um, my husky case, and all my hunting clothes are in there. And I got that whiff of all that, <laughs> all that <laughs> wood smoke. Yeah, oh, man. The, the wood smoke that's saturated in my hunting clothes. And yeah. I was like, ah, I could just imagine when, <laughs> when I get back, uh, you know, to where I'm from, like just opening that up again and washing those clothes and like, man, just all that stuff kind of coming back. I uh, I can already see that I'm going to miss the experience, whether we get a bear or not. You know, that's for some reason, like there's something about that. I thought, honestly, like this is the longest that I've spent out in. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say it, it's the longest I've spent out in the forest. But I really feel like there was something missing. I, I might be getting a little deep for you because you're, you're, you guys are used to this. You, you this is how you grew up, you know, Randy, you taught Jason, like yeah. you guys grew up this way. For me, it wasn't like that, but I'm feel like there's part of me that's missing. You know, I'm, I was sitting there st staring at the campfire, listening to you guys talk. And I'm like, where has this been? You know, I've been, I'm not an idiot. I've been around campfires, yeah. but like, I've never been around them this long. And you heard me say it. Yep. I said, I feel like I could get used to this. You know, <laughs> there's something about it. Now I see why you do what you do and why you, I mean, you spend a ton of time away from home. We do. Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess the campfire and that, 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 that type of lifestyle is, uh, is that the reason why you do this? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't do it just for the campfire, but um, uh, it gets in your soul, and you just gotta you gotta go with it. Um, if if I wasn't, and you said you're you're gonna be missing it when you get home, mm -hmm. um, we can relate. Uh, even though we grew up doing this, we can relate. Like around the end of January, <laughs> mm -hmm. when it's been a few months without being out on out on trail. Um, you're, you're craving to go back out on trail again and, and be in that environment, be out in the open skies underneath the stars and sitting around a campfire. These are just the evenings that we're talking about, but, uh, the, the days are just as beautiful. Yeah, and, um, they are. and you're, when you're out on one of the longer trips, um, you have the opportunity to, to shed away layers um, of technology, if you will. Uh, I've often, it's, it's kind of a neat phenomenon. We see it all the time out on our trips. Um, the first 48 hours, um, that folks come out, 
these days they're they're almost going through a, a cell phone withdrawal <laughs> yeah uh, technology withdrawal uh, uh, social media withdrawal they uh, on the trip that I was on just before this trip um, I have one of my clients remark that she keeps trying to pull her phone out to check her messages and uh, of course we don't have any service um, and she wasn't doing it consciously, but she realized that she's like, holy cow, I'm, I'm doing this automatically. Yeah. Um, so after a couple of days, uh, you know, uh, maybe 48 hours ish of being, uh, removing all those stimuli from your everyday life, all the, the noise, the flashing lights, um, and that includes traffic and, and all the hustle and bustle that is the modern world. When you're out in the woods for that amount of time, it, it allows people to go back to a simpler place in their head um, mm -hmm. and find a, a really deeper sense of peace, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that when I woke up in the morning, too, like I woke up right around the same time. And it was right before the sun is coming up where you could kind of see this, the, the sky start to change a, a, a little bit. Yeah. We did have some moon, but you could tell. And by the time I got up, within an hour, the sun's coming up. It almost seems like, you know, again, not to get too deep into this, but without electricity and, and that kind of thing, it seems like we were meant to be sleeping when it's dark. <laughs> and then <laughs> when, the, when the sun's coming up, we're meant to wake with that and... When you're in the city or you're, you know, you're working nights or whatever, it's we've changed a lot about how we've we've lived. And I'm sure that, you know, affects our health um, in multiple ways. But I noticed, you know, again, there was that that I'd say it was about two days too, to where you're you are, you're shedding layers and you're realizing what what I can and can't live without. Mm -hmm. And you kind of can live without everything except for <laughs> except for food and water, right? Yeah, maybe fire. <laughs> and, and fire, yeah, especially when it, it's cold. And we got lucky, right? We didn't, it wasn't it like was we, we, we yeah. it, was, it was a little warm, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't call that lucky. When, when we're hunting, we, we are much better off if it's cold all day long. Um, but, you know, it's, well, you get what you get. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You know, so, do you feel like that the weather obviously that that it it helped or hurt us as far as the bear hurt, uh, us, that hurt us. us? Yeah. If it was cold enough, uh, it would be likely more likely that bears would be moving through the middle of the day hmm. all day long. Um, as when it's warm like that, uh, they're gonna go all night long. Because yeah. uh, it's going to be nice and cool all night. They're going to go all night long. They're going to rest during the day, a lot of the day, especially the middle of the day. It's too warm. Um, like when we're out in shirt sleeves, they can't take their coat off. Yeah. Their, coat, their coat's like the zipper stuck. They can't change it. Mm -hmm. So that's uncomfortably warm for them to, to, to exercise. They're just going to go find a cool spot yeah. and wait for it to cool down. Then they'll go again. Which is basically the night. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> so, right when, after sunset. When yeah. we were, when we leave, yeah. <laughs> that's when they came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was man. Like I said in the beginning, like they excited me so much to get that close 
two bears listen, actually listen to a bear, you know, cracking things. And, and I, at one point I even thought I heard like a munching, like, I don't know if that was in my head, Mm -hmm. but I, I heard these branches crack, crack, crack. And then just like a, like a crunch, 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 crunch. And I was like, and I told you, Jason, because I was I had my bow and my rifle. Mm-hmm. I immediately dropped my bow and grabbed my rifle. Right when I right when I heard that, I was like, "Okay, there's no more. There, there's not. That's not deer, you <laughs> yeah. know." Yeah. So it was it was super exciting, but the most excitement I've had without seeing any fur, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, so it's pretty neat. Now, um, you're Jason. You're a hunting guide as well. Yep. Correct. Um, you learned everything from your dad, pretty much. Yeah, and our and the rest and, of our family and my dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so big history. Uh, your dad, your grandfather, great grandfather, mm-hmm. everybody kind of everybody hunted. Yep, my mm-hmm. uncles and uh, cousins. Um, you know, uh, I've been fortunate to to get a wealth of knowledge funneled down into uh, what we do. Yeah. And you've hunted everything, bear, moose, deer, here. Yeah, and a lot of small game, too. Yeah. Um, small game hunting's pretty fun as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorites? Uh, favorite? One of my favorites is bear hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, bear hunting is is definitely a, a different level of hunting. You're hunting a, a creature that... It, well, in Maine, um, is very crafty and very hard to uh, get a good opportunity to to take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For those listening, why would you say, in, especially in Maine, um, our woods are are quite thick, uh, as you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is fairly close hunting. Um, and uh, so that in comparison to like out west where you can see a long ways um their senses aren't they're not picking you up from 500 yards away Mm -hmm. but in maine you can't you'd never know that they're there at 500 yards Mm -hmm. um you have to be you know within 100 yards or or less to really get an opportunity at it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was that what was that? I don't know. <laughs> that almost sounded like somebody knocking at the, the it, door. It did. Yeah. Um, I guess if we hear it again, we can get up. <laughs> but I don't uh, think it's a person. But yeah. yeah. Or something fell or something. Yeah. Um, Randy, this um, this hunt, you told me right away, you know, before I even got here, that this is the most difficult bear hunt and i know why but could you explain why this is more difficult than the other types of hunts here and what the other types of hunts are in maine mm-hmm. we uh harvest most of our bear uh hunting over bait which is uh uh kind of the the way that we can overcome the denseness of the underbrush and such is to be able to lure them out of that thick woods and get a clear clean uh, shot, which it results in a uh, you know in a, uh, a humane uh, a kill of the animal, quick and 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 efficient. Um, hunting, so, o- hunting over bait, right? And you know, bait hunting has other there's pros and cons, but it also has uh, the advantage of being able to uh, get a closer and 
look and some time um, to judge whether, you know, that's an animal that you want to harvest or not. So that's where, that's how we uh, harvest most of our bears. Um, a growing number are being harvested with trained bear dogs, and um, that's pursuing a bear uh, with some dogs, and uh, sometimes those bears will go up a tree, uh, and other times the dogs will catch up to it and bay it and 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 just kind of hold it in one spot by barking at it and stuff and and you're able to shoot it uh potentially on the ground so um that's those, what that's what baying means mm-hmm. okay like baying a dogs are barking at it but they're 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 kind of like around the bear so the bear just is like backs up against a tree or something and just uh uh, sits down and, and they just kind of hold it there and the hunter tries to get to to close enough to to make a good shot so that's the two primary methods that are used um, we also allow trapping in maine and and that's another one uh, hounds are uh, the number of bears taken with dogs uh, is increasing but so is uh, the number that are trapped and uh, the only thing left is what we're doing. And uh, uh, very few people, very few hunters uh, try to uh, harvest a bear, uh, what I call free-range hunting. Uh, the bear's up eating on natural foods or traveling and just doing their thing. So they're not being influenced by dogs or bait. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just doing their thing, and you're just trying to figure out how you can get get uh, close enough and get a clear shot and, and and make a good kill that way. And it's very, very difficult um, in general from what we can be- gather from um, from our harvest data. It appears that that success rate is about 3%. Mm-hmm. And it is also in some other states that have the same kind of restrictions uh, against driving and so forth, uh, bears. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty low percentage. And to be honest, some of them, some of those 3% that are uh, successful, where they check a box that says they didn't use dogs, they didn't use bait, but you don't know, but they may have been sitting on the side of a cornfield. Mm-hmm. So the cornfield kind of is the bait. And so if bears going into the corn or oats uh, in northern Maine or uh, an apple orchard, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But this is not like that. This is, uh, I mean, we're going in the woods and they're eating that natural food that's available in the woods. And uh, this year is a good acorn year, a lot of acorns, as you you could see. And, and there's some beech nuts, too, and those beech nuts are really sweet. And uh, I was hoping that they would really be on the beech nuts because they're, they're more localized and less ubiquitous across the landscape. Mm-hmm. And the oaks aren't really uh, really widespread across the entire landscape. They only really grow where we're hunting. They only really grow at the very high elevations for the most part. So as such, they're not spread across everything because a lot of, a lot of the country is lower and don't, doesn't have any oaks or beach. And so a lot of our bears are up at the higher higher elevations, which causes 
you'd have to work a little to get up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you told me that it was going to be tough, but I didn't think it was going to be this tough. And um, it's been challenging. And you're right, you do have to get up high. I'm noticing that more about hunting in general, especially like I've got a mule deer tag in New Mexico. And I'm noticing you do have to get up there. You have to work if you want to find, especially the elite animal that we're looking for in our hunt and that we saw really good sign for Mm -hmm. as well, which was crazily exciting (laughs) to see for you, for you guys to explain to me what like a really big bear looks like, like the sign of a really big bear, putting your hand in the where they put their paw or and um and it's fresh and how it's how it's bet like uh what did you call that like flattened down mashed down mashed down, mashed down. and if and randy you were saying you weigh how much i weigh 250 and that's bare ass but i i uh, <laughs> probably all my gear i probably 265 i'm Two. thinking yeah and you said you stomped you pretty much stomped I, on that i could stand on one foot and i couldn't as deep as what he was doing of course he was putting a lot of weight he was going downhill but uh still he wasn't putting all his weight on that foot he still had some weight on his other back feet and stuff yeah yeah so that's impressive that tells you right there it's a pretty big bear yeah let's talk about this bear for a second because this, this, <laughs> this bear gets me excited we never put our eyes on him no but we were just missing him it seems Right, he's all around that country where we were. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere we looked, we could we could see evidence that oh, that's the big boy right there. That's where he is. Mm-hmm. And we and how how close were we? Would you say on certain occasions, or did we? You feel like we missed him by? It's hard to say, but I <clears throat> I think he at some point or another, and probably more than one point. Uh, he knew we were there different times i'll bet i bet we're that close that's the, that's the next question i was going to ask you and, the, and by saying that he's saying probably if you were to put a number on it maybe 500 yards or less or yeah. less yeah watching us maybe smelling us hearing listening. us uh watching us listening. yeah all all the above listening mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Hearing the rumbling of the truck, maybe even coming up, or an unusual traffic pattern. An older bear like that probably does pay attention to something that is unusual. I mean, if he's used to hearing vehicles go in a certain place, and you know, we're going sometimes on roads that nobody's traveled on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Now, Randy, you've been doing this for forty plus years. In your experience, not to embellish, but in your experience and what you saw over the last six days with this bear how much do you think he weighed like right around and Mm -hmm. how old do you think he was i I would feel pretty comfortable putting his weight at uh probably in the high 300s if not potentially into the 400s um uh you know a lot of that just depends on how fat he got because i know he's a big bear and big frame um but yeah that's that's yeah that's a big bear you mm-hmm. know? they yeah. get bigger they get bigger you know no doubt but not the not a new state record or something but it, it's a big bear but he's the bear it sounded like he's the bear of that mountain from what we could tell on tracks mm-hmm. yeah i mean it was it seemed to be the same bear and and it uh definitely was the largest 
one around. The, yeah. the eastern, eastern portion of that, so it's kind of a long ridge, um, and I believe he's responsible for the two-inch diameter scat that we saw down below. Mm -hmm. It's not very far, you know. Yeah. Wow. I don't even know what to say about that. Just uh, it was exciting to see, like you took a stick and you're going through his his scat, his poop to see <laughs> like what he's eating. We're looking at his paw. We we literally are like dissecting this bear and we haven't seen him yet <laughs> that was super duper exciting yeah, was, that's kind of all of what it takes to try to do a free range hunt on a bear um mm -hmm. you know you you've got to try to get inside their head and and figure out where they're traveling what they're eating where they're going to mm. um, i like i like using the term free range hunt mm -hmm. and you don't always hear it that much some people uh, call it uh, a fair chase hunt but all all of the other forms of hunting that we do in maine are also fair chase in my mind so i don't think it's fair mm -hmm. to say you know attack like they aren't fair chase you know yeah because they really are okay so it's again, yeah i said absolutely they're they're definitely uh a, a fair chase all the other methods as well the bears win most of the time <clears throat> they really do and uh, you know about thirty percent success rate overall. That's not bad, but it's it's not like shooting fish in a barrel. Mm -hmm. I think um, also, you know, three percent are the ones that are successful at at doing this. And like we touched on, they're they're probably uh, working off of a non natural food source uh, like corn or or apple field uh, apple orchard. Um, but I, I do think that a lot of people don't attempt to free-range hunt black bear in Maine because those of us who are out in the woods all the time in Maine have very few encounters with them. Mm. Um, they're very elusive. They, they can pick up on us uh, generally a lot easier than we can perceive their presence. Mm. Um, Many, many, many deer hunters are out in the woods. We've hunted deer all of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, so you're you're out there, and, you, and in the early season when the bears are still moving, um, and you don't see them. I can't remember the numbers exactly uh, for deer hunters, but I think we have something like, I think it's something like 130,000 deer hunters. Um, and last year, out of all those people, they shot 23 bears during bear season. During deer season, which you don't need a permit during deer season, uh, residents don't anyway, and mm -hmm. uh, that gets to give you an idea out of uh, 130,000 hunters or whatever it is, I think it might even be more than that, uh, they only harvested 23 bears. That's mm. uh, a real low success rate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that doesn't mean that some other hunters didn't see a bear and chose not to take right. it, but right. um, so that's a factor too, but 23 uh, out of yeah. 130,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, part of that was they didn't early last year, and they'll be out longer this year with the food source so, uh, still available. So, you know, that number will be higher this year, but it's, it's never, it's never, it's always uh, very low. Yeah. yeah, and we do canoe trips all summer long. Um, I've seen on our canoe trips uh, 
seven bear in all the trips that I've done. Mm-hmm. All um, in Maine? Yeah, in Maine. Yep. And uh, that's, and I, I found it very fortunate every time that we did encounter one. Um, you can't move through the woods quieter than you than when you're in a canoe i mean it's it's absolutely noiseless if you're not banging on the side particularly if you're sneaking along or 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 going real quiet sometimes we do um uh, early morning paddle uh where we're where we're in the environment that we could see things like bear moose Um, we commonly do see moose deer but black bear very seldom Really? Yep. That's awesome. And we have a very high density of bears in Maine. Um, We have a substantial population here. It's not because we're not passing by bears. We're definitely passing by bears constantly. Hmm. Um, They're just uh, knowing that we're there and they're they're moving out of the way uh, and we're not detecting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I you Randy, you mentioned uh, free range bear hunting, and, and I, was, I was thinking, you know, um, not a lot of places in the U.S. Um, do I don't know if I've heard of any a lot of other states trapping number one, right? No and way, then yeah. there are some states that uh, I don't know which ones, but there are some states where like baiting is illegal, I think, mm-hmm. um, and but I. Because the main woods are so thick, and there's so many bears, is like like you just said, Jason. A lot of uh, there's a big population of bears here. There's a lot of that stuff that's legal here to harvest bears. Now, um, I you know in western states, you know, I've hunted you know Washington, New Mexico, uh, and we use binoculars. We use binos, and we glass a lot for everything: bears, mm-hmm. you know, deer, elk. You neither of you have a pair of binoculars on you, and that obviously is because the main woods are so thick, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the main reason why this hunt is so difficult, mm-hmm. is because it's it's so thick, and you have to basically get in there and spot and stalk mm-hmm. the bear, kind of, or sit kind of close to the trails or be in their food source and that kind of thing. And again, didn't know it was going to be this difficult, but it's actually super exciting and difficult. Now, what would you say to somebody who, uh, who's listening to the podcast, who, whether they hunt deer and, and don't hunt bear for whatever reason, or somebody who can't believe that you're hunting bear, right? What would you say to somebody like that? Uh, if, if, could we come back to that question? I, I'd just like touch on the, the binos. Bit, yeah. Just, yeah, just sure. for a second. Um, uh, one of the big reasons why I think that we probably don't use binos, and and you you brought up the point when we were talking about it uh, earlier over the campfire that it does help you to see a little bit further into the woods if you see a black spot over there or a rock or a stump or something you can mm-hmm. more positively identify it. Um, however, when you reach down to pick those binoculars up and you're you're bringing them up to your face. You're doing that motion back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of motion to a bear. Yeah, a bear can perceive that very quickly. They they're totally in tune with their environment, and seeing something like that move that much is going to draw their attention. Yeah. Um, so being quite still, particularly when you're on uh, stand or or uh, waiting for them, 
uh, you really need to be very still and, and patient. Yeah. And that's, you just don't know when a bear might be able to see you um, and you can't see it because the bushes are close to the bear. If the bushes are closer to the bear, he's not going to show up, but he can see right through them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why I brought mine and I, I, like you were saying, okay, so two different things here. One is I felt torn because every, like you're saying, I watched you guys and especially you, Jason, you're, you're, you become the woods when you're in there. Like you're very quiet. You whisper and you, 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 you tiptoe along and you're making, you know, you were going to step on that mossy rock rather than that leaf. And like, I'm, I was watching you closely. So any kind of movement you're you're moving kind of slow i almost thought that you were kind of a you're imitating bear movements yes <laughs> yeah um when in I, a way yes absolutely yeah well um when when bear and other animals move around in maine probably everywhere in the country um that they're not necessarily heading to a destination that's very uh, a human thought that okay i need to go from here and i need to go over there um but to a, a bear or a deer or a moose they're they're um totally in their environment so they they might say oh that looks tasty i'm gonna step over here i'm gonna try that um and as they're moving along they will stop periodically and just check their surroundings um that's what i try to replicate in, mm -hmm. a, in a way um when you're when you're stalking like we were doing uh, there's there's multiple different styles that you that we've applied over this trip um but uh on a couple of occasions you and i were stalking and really trying to move quite quietly through a very high chance area what we figured was a high chance area and um to to be stealthy at that will give us the health uh, the highest percentage of opportunity yeah 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 and that's what i noticed that there's different styles right so there's styles where we weren't the the wind was behind our backs and we we're charging up the mountain right then we we're gonna wait up there for a few hours and then wait for the wind to switch and then wait for the animals to come out so i i saw throughout the the six days like these different styles of hunting yeah. but the reason why i mentioned that is because of the whole binos thing because i got what you're saying there yeah. i was trying to relate it to western style hunting where you're posted up and you're behind even binos on a tripod you're just behind the glass the whole time just looking 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 and you're looking down into an area this style of hunting is you're on the ground looking through the thickest woods i've ever i mean <laughs> thicker than washington state you know yeah, is, pacific yeah. northwest timber you're like really looking through there and the reason why i brought them is because i thought to myself from hunting in hawaii and looking through the keave you can adjust the the binos as you're looking through one area to see deep, to deep, see shallow, yeah. yep. you know, yep. and then move and and I and I did that, but then I get what you're saying because that movement, if they're even like a few hundred yards away, they can see you through the trees, and if yeah. they see you doing this and moving your hand, they're like, well, "What's that? 
oh, clearly there's somebody right there that's not yeah. wasn't there yesterday, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so and, so yeah, I totally get that, and that's yeah. I mean that's one of the reasons why this hunt was so or is so difficult. It's yeah. really really tough, frustratingly tough at times too, because you're like. I know that they're here. I can, even the deer. Yeah. Same thing with the deer. Fresh, like heavy buck sign right there. Yeah. And it's like, I put my hand in it. still like the, like when we were talking about the sand crumbling when we saw the, um, the, the fresh uh, uh, moose track on the beach with the sand just rolling down. Like the moose just ran by here like within 10 seconds ago. Yeah. And the thing, <laughs> the sand is still crumbling down. It was, it's, it was literally almost that fresh. Yeah. I felt, and that's why the hunting here in Maine, I feel like, gosh, you guys have it tough, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one of the other frustrating things about the style of bear hunting is that it, it, you said 200 yards a few minutes ago uh, with the binos, often it's it's like 60 yards. Yeah. And, um, and that's like the extent of what you can see, and they're right on the edge of it, and they see you moving like that. Mm. And they identify you as something that, you know, even if they don't know it's a human, they just say, well, I'm going to avoid that. Mm. Um, and they will just silently slide the other direction. And you'll, you were never aware that you had a bear 60 yards right behind you or off to the side of you. Mm. Um, and that, that can help build the frustration as well because you might actually be – super close to bear and, mm-hmm. and you may have been on on this hunt and and not perceived it they're not they're not as likely uh to make like a deer might blow with like an alarm and and then and then bound off and make all kinds of noise uh bears are much more likely to just sneak away and and not make any noise uh, I think the binoculars is. I have to. I have to admit that I, I. I. I'm terrible at using binoculars, and I have like the cheapest binoculars I could ever find, um, and that may be part of it. But what I don't like about binoculars is it limits. I'm looking at a very small part of my surroundings, yeah. And when I'm sitting, I want to see a movement out of the corner of my eye. I actually literally once I remember very well. Uh, saw a, a bear's foot come down uh, in a, a hole that was no more than four inches in diameter through the leaves. Those leaves were still on. I saw the foot come down. I saw the foot go back up. That's the only part of the bear that I saw. I actually killed that bear. But, um, you know, I, I actually, because I put his hind foot in the same place as front foot, in my periphery, I, I saw something move. It was dead still. And I focused on it. Well, I missed the front foot coming down and come up through that little tiny window. But I saw the back foot go down and go up. And I knew it was a bear in that tiny window. And if if I hadn't had my periphery, because when I'm sitting, I was sitting on a bait. But when I'm sitting on that bait, my eyes are going back and forth, back and forth, looking, studying that, studying that over there. But you you have your periphery. So if you have your glasses... Anyway, it's a trade-off. But no, you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. I've had the same situation where I've had a situ- multiple situations where I'm looking through the, the binos and then 
I put them down. I look to my left, and there's a deer staring at me. <laughs> look, just looking at yeah. me. Yeah. Like yeah. within 50 yards. Yeah. Yeah. How did get there? And I'm exactly, and I'm staring out in the space, doing this, like going side to side, looking with my binos. I put them down. And I'm like, just taking a break, and I just kind of casually look over to the, and there's th this deer with his ears up, just staring at me. <laughs> so I totally get it, because yeah. you are, you're focused in on small. Yeah, and that's what that's hunting, feel, feel right? The view, yeah. yeah, that's that, that's yeah. what makes it so incredibly like enjoyably frustrating, you know, <laughs> if there if there is such a thing. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to touch on that just because the binos are. I mean, yeah. But what was your question? No, the the question the, the question was, and and we'll we'll eventually answer it at some point. But the question was, somebody who doesn't bear hunt. Uh, whether they're a hunter and they hunt, you know, a good example is Nathan, uh, the, you know, the deer manager for Maine. And he uh, he was saying, yeah, I don't know if I would hunt a bear because I've seen too many videos of them playing in the pool and looking like and basically like a human playing with a ball and this and that. And I and I get that. I see that. But somebody like that, he's clearly a hunter, you know, but somebody who just just can't believe that you're hunting bears because i could see that point too because they're so i've mentioned i don't know how many times i've talked about this but they're just such a different mm -hmm. uh, they are. different type of hunt it's mm -hmm. a, it's like a like you were saying jason when we first started this when we're packing up you're like this is nothing like you've ever experienced this is a whole level up it really uh forget how you put it but you said this is this is not what you're what you expect because when it comes time and you actually see the bear, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna um, evoke emotions you've never had. Absolutely, or you wouldn't expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can't anticipate. Yeah. What, you know what, what you're gonna feel. Yeah, yeah, it's a unique feeling uh, seeing a, a bear, and particularly while you're hunting it, close quarters, in course, close quarters like that. Five hundred um, yards away is an entirely different thing. And yep, yeah, wildly different game. Um, How's it different? I mean, could you put it into words? How, like, you see a deer, same, same proximity that you're mm -hmm. talking about, a deer standing there, mm -hmm. but now it's a bear. In order to really understand that, you have to you have to watch how a bear moves through the woods, and and to see how different they are than all the other critters that move around in the main woods, at least. Um, they are so in tune and so in touch with with everything they are like the apex of their environment and um and you are too and you're there and you're there to pursue them um so you're trying to overcome the best animal in in the surrounding area but they 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 do um move quite deliberately de deliberately and uh and uh You'd almost think it's a mirage because you can't believe an animal that size can walk that quietly. Uh, and it just seemed to glide along very slowly. And there's something about that that just is, uh, uh, what's it, builds it, up. Uh, it, it really triggers the yeah. your primitive brain yeah, to yeah. have a response. That yeah, you have an instinctive I think fear probably goes back to the cave bear. You know what we were talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, you know, probably goes way back there. You know, so it's fear. Well, I don't. I don't think it's 
I wouldn't say I it's think necessarily it, yeah, fear. It, I, I think but. you could say it's fear, but it's instinctual fear. Yeah. Which is like, like you might be afraid. So people are afraid of snakes or spiders and uh, most of the snake, well, all the snakes in Maine, but a lot of, in a lot of cases, nothing to be afraid of there. But, you know, way back in time, uh, it kept some of our ancestors alive to stay away from them, you know, because mm-hmm. you get a bad one and, and you're done. But uh, so, uh, so that's an instinctual fear. It's not something that you learned. Mm-hmm. It's there. I mean, nobody had to teach you to be afraid of a snake or a spider. Mm. Uh, most people that are, it's just natural. They're mm. just just afraid of them. It's an inborn thing. Yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. 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 So that, in, in, as such, you can't really control it that easy. Yeah. I've seen people that, you know, they're not. I mean, they're, they're going to panic if they see a hornet. You know, like a hornet doesn't bother me at all. But I've seen people just going to panic. You know. They practically hurt themselves trying to get out of the way or whatever, you know, and there's no reason for that. And they didn't learn that. That's just natural. That's just, they're just afraid of a hornet or a bee. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, and I, I think, but it, I think that's really what's kicking in. You don't have control over it. You don't have control over that kind of instinctive fear and it's awe-inspiring to see them the way that they move and and how quietly that they do um it's like a black ghost just kind of moving through the forest shadow yeah and uh to 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 be there and to be in its presence and to be trying to pursue it um it's something else it really triggers you emotions and deep inside hmm. yeah. yeah wow um we're, we're getting to that question slowly and that is why would you kill a bear that's a tough one yeah right hand it off to me <laughs> <laughs> i think i've already tr- already answered this in another podcast yeah. which i didn't really well no you, ne- you, de- you never did no, no I, I i i probably bumped and run on that one but because um, I don't know that, who can answer it really in it, you know. To to me, they are, and I just use this term, but awe-inspiring. Um, yeah, but why would you hunt them? I mean, the, the thing is, I think they're, I think they're the the top, the ultimate in Maine. I, I, and I'm maybe biased. Moose hunting's awesome just like a big deer in a way, but it's more, I think it's more exciting than deer hunting. Uh, And I don't see why, uh, you know, that should be, but they're bigger, but um, very much like deer hunting to me somewhat. And, uh, but bears completely different to me. And uh, I I do know that it, you know, there is a greater effect on the hunters uh, guiding people to bears, mostly over bait. Uh, uh, people would just, you know, I've seen people just come unglued almost. I mean, they just jump through the air and wrap their legs around you, you know, wrap their arms around you. Like, it just uh, so excited. And if that doesn't blow your skirt up, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. And it's, you know, bears are good to, uh, really good to eat, you know, but we would, I would never kill a bear. I would never uh, uh, advocate for killing bears just to eat them. 
uh, and that sounds weird, but you know, what do you mean by that? I don't I, think I, I don't think I mean we don't need this is what the anti hunters will tell you all the time we don't need to kill a bear to survive anymore we have a way to survive without killing that bear so you don't need to do that so you're doing it you are doing it as a sport you're doing it you're feeding something in your soul when you go hunting you know it's something that you feel an instinctive uh, urge to hunt. We, um, say, you know, people. I think people who don't hunt just don't even realize when they get exposed to it. A lot of times, they're like, "I couldn't believe how it felt," and it is. Uh, you know, they didn't even know they had that. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of instinct to to hunt. And uh, is it a selfish? Can I? I'm going to go, go somewhere right now for a second because I just had this guy, the PETA guy, on, uh, and he was, he was a nice guy. I mean, he, he, he had some good pushback, and he, you know, he gave it to me pretty good, you know, and I, and I, let, him, I let him. You know, I, there was a lot I could have said and, and kind of wanted to say in a lot of ways, but I also really wanted to hear him, really wanted to listen, and I did, and I also reflected on it afterwards. His last question to me is, how could you kill something that you love, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Randy, this is for you. You clearly are in love with bears. Oh, totally. I can, I can, can see it. You are, you are taken with them. You're upside down in love with bears. Oh, totally. But you, you had a gun in your hand with me last six days wanting to kill a bear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, and I've been thinking about this myself, like, first of all, hunting is expensive, Okay. Oh, geez, yeah. Like I don't know how much money I've spent. I told the PETA guy this too. I don't. I'm embarrassed about how much money I've spent doing it. How much time? Don't look at the receipts. Yeah, and, but but you know, as you get up in age, time is more important than money, right? Right. right you yeah. can't cash in time. I mean, that yeah. time is gone. Like the this, experience. We've been sitting here for an hour. That hour will never come back. We That's cannot right. buy that back, right? Absolutely. I was thinking in the woods, and maybe it's the campfire. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> something inside of me this whole these past six days was thinking to myself, you know, these six days, like I'm, I'm doing some math here, and I'm not the greatest at math, but I'm like, this is a lot of hours I'm spending out here. I could be studying. Yeah. I could be doing this. I could be, you know, a lot of things that are um, more productive f- for other people, right? And I just thought about, I hate to say this, but I thought about how selfish I was right. out there. <laughs> You're feeding your soul. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is all for me. Mm-hmm. This right. has nothing to do with any anyone else. That's right. I'm here in these woods for myself in, in this selfish pursuit. And on top of it, I want to kill something. Yeah, you know, and I did, and I, 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 I kind of, you know, recoiled a little bit inside about that. And I was like, and you do. I'm sure you. We've both. We've all done this in the woods when we're by ourselves. We we we. There's introspection. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about things a lot. We go over things in our head. Whatever challenges we're having, whatever you know, you know, things are magnified out there. And I was thinking about that because the PETA podcast was just fresh, and then I thought about, yeah, he's right. Like, what what am I doing? And mm-hmm. you just you just keyed on that. Um, uh, Randy, when you said, um, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about how much we love bears and you're like, you, you're grasping at why, why are we mm-hmm. killing them then? What are we doing? Cause we don't have to, do mm-hmm. we? 
No. Do we have to kill them? No. 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 So what are we doing? Mm-hmm. We're, uh, I think uh, a part of it is that we are rejoining the natural environment system. if system. you will the system yeah, yeah. you're you're uh, we, we've been removed from it we are removed from it uh if we need something to eat we go to the grocery store and get some food or go to a restaurant um we don't go out and uh, procure it by our own hands uh by and large uh but when you go hunting that's exactly what you're what you're doing uh you're you are getting back into the natural environment the natural rhythm the natural cycle um uh the natural world is all about life and death and there's there's death of many different sorts particularly in the wild and a lot of them are quite um awful (laughs) um and the way that we are taking that life or or um harvesting that animal uh is is actually really quite humane comparative to how their life cycle might normally turn out mm-hmm. starvation disease interspecific uh predation yeah. uh, all of that's uh, not very fun to watch if anyone had a chance to see any of it um i i did uh in my work and um I mean, you, you know, I had actually seen, I have seen video of bears killing other bears, but uh, but starvation, disease, it's not very pretty. Most people would agree that that, that, that wasn't uh, a great way, you know, to have our bears die that way. And if you don't hunt bears, that's the end result. Uh, you know, that's where it has to go. There's no other way. And that's something that you're touching on right there that um, is is a big part of it. For me, I feel like um, us being humans and us being here on Earth, we have a responsibility because we are um, the most advanced creature here. We have a responsibility to all those other creatures to make sure that they ensure uh, a healthy, prosperous life. Mm-hmm. And we could do that if we just removed all the humans, right? Mm-hmm. If we weren't here at, at all and just let it go to natural, um, they would they would all find their equilibrium. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not happening, um, or right. hopefully not. Um, we're here. All of our uh, cities and towns are here displacing all those animals, our roads, are cutting up their natural habitat, agricultural crops, pets, yep. livestock. And it's all pushing them out uh, of what they would otherwise use as their environment to strike that equilibrium. Um, so due to that, I feel like we have a responsibility to help manage those herds. And hunting through a manage- as a management technique um is not only very successful, um, but you get all these other advantages um, that we've already talked about with with hunting, feeding your soul. Um, it's also an, uh, something that we didn't touch on is all the camaraderie that happens through hunting. 
Mm -hmm. Um, like you were telling a story about meeting somebody and, uh, became kind of friendly with them and had an hour long conversation just because they had Hoyt Hoyt on his t-shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, it, it brings people together. It allows them to, uh, share in a bonding experience that they, they wouldn't otherwise come from. But at the same time, we're doing it to, to really, in my mind, to help manage, um, our influence as being humans in their environment. Like even right here, we're, we're quite a ways out in the woods, but there's a tarred road that has 18 wheelers that zip up and down this road here, uh, going in and out of Canada. Um, something steps out in front of that, they're going to get, they're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be breaking into our camps and and those are all things that where humans and wild animals don't totally see eye to eye like we're not going to invite a big that big black bear to come in and eat dinner with us in our in our living room we don't love him that much (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you're right very uh articulate and very well said uh, Jason, I um, I agree with 100% of that. I just wanted to play devil's advocate because right. there's a lot of people out there that you know that could listen to something like this and say, well, how could they be so excited about you know right. this creature that they love so much? And all three of them are out there with rifles trying to kill it. <laughs> you know, we just thought we just talked about this awesome, you know, uh, inspiring, you know, huge apex predator on this mountain that we've been you know missing mm-hmm. and you know how much we revere him and how much we're talking about him but respect I, it they respect everything. him and everything and at first glance we're gonna kill him right mm-hmm. and i mean i hate to put it so bluntly but mm-hmm. that's what yeah. we're talking about well, that's here the aim that's the aim the yeah. aim is to do it's, that it's a very difficult challenge and it's a contest and uh yeah they they, uh, I don't know how to put it, but they, they have uh, the odds are against us, mm-hmm. you know, to to pull it off. Um, it would take some luck, but you know, just to try to improve your possibility, you would do almost everything right and then still have some luck. As how bad it is, I mean, how difficult it is, and and those bears win over and over. And that bear is probably a minimum of ten years old. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's seen a few battles and, and he uh, might have a few slugs in him. He could, he could, a lot. He could. most males, uh, if you, if you're careful when you butcher them, you, you are, there's some lead in a lot of those that are over 10 years old or so. Um, and so he's learned something, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's learned, yeah. Yeah. He's learned some, probably learned the hard way on many, many occasions, but yeah, no, both of you put that just very well. I, I, I want people to hear that. Because, you know, I want I want people to understand, just like the, the guy from PETA, I wanted him to gain some understanding of somebody who opposes his view, right? It's a long-term, when, when you're talking about using it, uh, hunting as a management tool, um, and that's what we use hunting for throughout the country, um, it's something that you need to, it's not immediate. If we stopped hunting today, 
and and didn't hunt anything today uh next week it would the environment would look just like it does today next year it would probably look very similar to it does today but 40 years down the road 10 years 10 years down the road i mean it depends on what you're hunting but Mm -hmm. um in the environment that's in but if you remove those management tools what we end up happening is that we're we're pushing these animals into a into a tight space mm-hmm. and and you will see all the disease the famine the predation um and those are when you when you witness one animal uh succumb to that that's one thing but when you're seeing all of them all struggling like that mm-hmm. um <laughs> That's our responsibility, and that's what it, that's the direction that it would turn out to be if we didn't. And yeah, most it, of the, the bears that would be killed by humans in the absence of hunting would be, uh, you know, lethal removal for conflicts, and conflicts would go uh, very high, and and basically like you know, hired guns or you know, you, they'd be they'd be um euthanizing is like the word for it i guess but they'd be um capping bears that are that are beyond um rehabilitation you know they they're desperate enough i guess uh, uh to take risks and then they figure out the more i do the more i get the more t- chances i take the more food i get and it just it just goes on and it's life of crime yeah. you know and when you and when you don't do it through hunting um we, often we find ourselves in the situation where we still have that obligation to manage the population um regardless if if we're not doing it through the means of hunting so what ends up happening in a lot of circumstances like that is that only like a handful of individuals will end up going out and thinning the herd and they'll they'll be taking 30 40 50 animals uh for just for themselves just to help manage the population you see that in other states with other animals um and uh professionals i mean that's i mean yeah, yeah that's what you know they there's do a it. company that that's basically what they do you know yeah eradication state yeah. to state yeah. You know? yeah no i agree with you as far as a management tool i completely agree with that i want i i kind of wanted just people to hear that part of it and yeah that's something i brought up to in that PETA podcast as well and um and there's not too much you can say about that i mean we're you know these are state you know national agencies that make the that have biologists that make determinations as to you know what the 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 carrying capacity is for certain uh landscapes and and then they issue the tags and we legally go out there and we hunt and there's a certain amount of tags and so i i don't see a problem with the 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 way things are managed hey if there's a better way present it you know, yeah. let's see, yeah. let's let's, let's talk about do. sterilization. Uh, I mean, they really don't have like really good alternatives to keep, you know, this this you know keep these bears in a, in, a, in a level of population that's healthy. You know, mm-hmm. I I will mention um, 
And you just kind of almost made an assumption um, that the all the laws are set down by the biologist's recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another factor to that. There is politics involved yeah. with it. Um, so the in a lot of places, in Maine included, um, the biologists make their recommendations and then it's voted upon. Um, so by the legislature, right, and. And that can, and there's, so there's a cultural play social, both ways. Yeah. There's a little bit of a social input there, and a lot of times the social uh, part is what drives it. You know, if 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 we're trying to reduce moose car collisions because too many people are, are are dying running into moose, that's what's driving it. It's not like the health of the moose. You know, it's mm-hmm. to you know keep people safe on the highways or whatever. So uh, sometimes it's the other way around, you know, and, you know, Moose, I think, is a perfect example because there's people that, that come to Maine to see a moose and they just want to take a picture of a moose. So you have moose viewing is big. It's a real big deal. And uh, then you have to keep the highway safe. You have to keep the moose healthy. And now we have, you know, try this winter tick, and that's all these thing. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting case, you know, moose uh, something. Yeah, we've talked yeah. a lot about that on prior podcasts, where yeah. it's there's a balance there, and depending on what state you're in and where how the politics are are in that state, the public may or may not have more of a say than the actual scientists, and that's always right. frustrating in a way. Um, but it. You know, I, I, I can see it both ways as well. I, again, I, I you know, can blew in the face saying that I feel like the scientists should, you know, should win overall. I mean, but I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, it's not my decision, but I just feel like if you've done the research and you're the, you're the specialist and you're making a recommendation, it's kind of like, why not listen to this person? But I get yeah. we we could talk about that one forever, no, and that's that, not yeah. that's good. That wouldn't it's it wouldn't, a complicated subject. Wouldn't yeah. change a damn thing, right? Yeah. So 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 yeah. Bears, you know, totally could be managed, and and it could be said that they're managed uh, as a conflict uh, um, reduction or whatever with humans, and and like bears can be healthy at the level they are now but they could still be healthy at half that amount Mm -hmm. and our conflicts would go down by a factor of maybe three or four you know so uh, i think a lot of states when they're managing bears they're trying to manage uh manage uh conflicts you know yeah nuisance yeah um, I'm, I'm glad we touched on politics because I wanted to. Um, we before the podcast we were talking politics and religion, and how we shouldn't talk politics and religion. <laughs> um, but what I did want to uh, ask you, Jason, is that, um, and again, I, I'm not. You're you're the owner of a, a company, and of course, I'm not going to ask you what your political. Uh, stances because that's just not right to do I don't feel because um, you don't none of us want to alienate anybody I, even on this podcast I don't want to alienate somebody who's Republican or Democrat or independent I, I I don't care what you are you know 
But what I do care Neither about it, do I. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. And what, and that's what I was going to say. What I do care about is the conversations we've had over the campfire in which we did talk about the fact that we don't care, right? Mm-hmm. We don't care. But you did say quite a few things about how, again, the campfire, the culture around being outside and how it brings us together. Could you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, and and particularly after you strip away those layers of uh, technology that we're used to. So it usually sinks in after 48 hours or the three days out on trail um, uh, around a, a campfire. is kind of a magical environment as you experience. Um, and it really draw it brings people together. It allows people to... Um, have conversation which we don't seem to be able to do very well in today's world Um, we seem very uh, divided and not willing to to listen to somebody Um, when when you're sitting across the campfire with them on a trip and tomorrow morning you're going to have to wake up and have coffee with them and and paddle with them all day long um i think you uh lend more respect to your fellow man um, and are willing to hear their side of the argument a little bit more. Hmm. Um, so, and, and like we touched on before the podcast, uh, we don't, uh, we kind of have a rule, don't talk politics or religion. That's an internal rule. Our clients are welcome to uh, talk whatever they want. And often we solve all the world problems over campfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If, if the powers that be only would listen, right? <laughs> right. If they had a recorder at the campfire. Yeah. yeah. Adversity is is uh, a real, um, um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but it, it's, it's an equalizer, but it's also some uh, adversity will pull a group together because mm. you're all uh, battling the same. Uh, some of the more rugged trips are interesting how, you know, you, you know, everybody feels like they're on a team, and you know they're you know you get maybe harsh weather or whatever, and and uh, it pulls people together. And I think fear does too. And even though uh, you know they're perfectly safe, I think they're uh, they're basically out of their element, and they know it. And mm-hmm. uh, um, and and that uh, I think. Uh, makes them sort of vulnerable but they uh i see a lot of times people posturing uh, we're talking canoe trips but mm-hmm. early on and those people who are posturing are definitely the ones you keep an eye on but you know <laughs> you get that that gets thrown to the side at some point you get right to the quick you know and uh and it's the one the quiet ones that a lot of times rise to the top i always often try to kind of i like psychology but you're looking at people and say that, that guy's a cowboy that girl right there she can do it she's a real deal you mm-hmm. know and and those you know i don't know i, I like psychology <laughs> what's uh, i mean I'm, I'm way off i'm just rambling you go back to you go yeah. back to no what that's you. what that's kind of what we were getting at is you know the what i what i wanted to kind of touch on yeah. was not not necessarily politics but how divided we are outside of the this environment right 
and how you know an experience like this you know whether it's a hunting trip a camping trip an expedition something like that really like you were saying randy really pulls us together and it can be it could be the adversity it could be the fact that we're we're I don't say stuck together, but we're together in on this mission for the next two weeks or 10 days or seven days or whatever it is. And we're sitting around the campfire every night, cooking over the fire, talking, laughing, learning, hopefully from each other. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is why, why, why things are so different outside of that situation, why we're so divided. Uh, Because Jason, you and I were talking Mm -hmm. about this before is that, uh, we're, I feel like we're the most divided that we've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's many people that I've said that to that disagreed with me in the last couple of years, especially mm-hmm. we're, we're so divided out, you know, uh, and I, I wonder why, like, I wonder like, well, how come we can't, cause we're all, we sat around the campfire. I don't know you. I, this is the first time <laughs> meeting you, Jason. Yeah. We've been together six days, but we're all, one thing that I've learned, I think more than anything else dealing with people is that everybody just wants to be happy, yeah. you know, and whatever kind of, you know, malfunction you have is is the baggage you brought into this. That doesn't change the fact that you still want to be happy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it, whether it's over the campfire or outside of the campfire, you know, I'm feeling that being in that environment really does change you or at least or at least it's a it's more of a positive experience for you and your fellow man or woman yeah and i and uh something that kind of came to me while we were, you guys were talking is uh the fact that the wilderness really strips you down okay being out whether that be a canoe trip or a hunting trip or a fishing trip um or whatever you do in the wilderness and particularly if it's a prolonged experience um, it doesn't matter, you know, if you drive a Bentley when you're out in the woods. Um, it does, it's not going to benefit you at all. Uh, what benefits you is who you are, your character. And your character comes out when you strip away uh, a lot of the material things, um, you know that we're that we're accustomed to, and and that kind of creates the the hierarchy, if you will, or striation between social people, status. social status. Um, that's all removed when you're in the wild, when you're in the wild, the wilderness. Um, is is stripped away from you, and then you're left with just who you are. That's right, and that. That is potentially part of what allows people to come together so much around a campfire. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. The posturing ends. Yeah, because you can you can posture for a little while, but uh, everybody's going to be able to see through that because you don't have, you know, whatever you have in in the regular world to back that up. Mm-hmm. And when you're out in in the woods, you just have you. That's who you are. Yeah. Um, you know and. You can't hide behind a phone. You can't hide behind like you're, yeah. You got to wake up and come to that breakfast. You got to wake up and come to. The no matter phone. what you said the night before, you still got to show up. You got to yeah. show up. There's no five hundred dollar suit 
and uh, you you know you might have a nice hat and a nice nice outdoor clothes or something but it's not you know what i mean about you know the mm. suit you don't have the suit Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cool thing I can say though is those people are actually taking that step forward to come on a trip like right. that though, That's right. and that that takes courage, especially if you know, you know your your personality. I mean, everybody yep. knows their personality. Yep. Yeah, well, and you're a newbie too. You know that you're not experienced at this. The first time you go out, it's like yeah, yeah. That takes some courage just to say. Yeah, at least yeah. at least they're taking yeah. that step, or that's people right. are taking that step. So, so that's one, that's one positive thing, but there's, I don't know, there's something about, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I used to say it was hunting, but it's more really just about the camaraderie of being outdoors together. Mm-hmm. You know, I right. think that that's a, that's a really big one. I think that goes back to the, to the days, uh, you know, hundreds of generations ago, you know, and yeah. groups of hunters and, yeah, you know, I think that's all you know, in our genes. I don't think it's gone away yet, even though it looks like it has. You look at a lot of people, but I don't think it has. Yeah, we, we need we need each other. We do. We, we need each other, and we need to be in each other's lives. And um, when you're out and on a trip like this, that's exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a way to avoid it. You don't have a way to... To ghost it or or text, or text it, you text got, it. You gotta say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's not a. It's not a written word. It's it's yeah, spoken word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or body language. I mean, you're there. You're yeah, in person. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason, let me ask you this: since you're uh, you're uh, you you know, you can definitely operate your phone better than your dad can. Okay, I've, I've seen <laughs> that. Right. I've seen yeah. that clearly. Yeah. And well, you're also. You know, half his age, and you're, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're tech savvy. It seems like, and you got your own business, Somewhat, and yeah. yeah. And so, where do you think we're headed, as far as like a, as a, as a society? You know, where, you know, I'm sure you've asked yourself this, being uh, out, being out under the stars, and boy, I don't know. It, it, it seems to be accelerating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when when I first started taking people out, it uh, social media was was very very new, um, and people didn't really have it. A lot of people when I first started, and then that came along, and um, and of course our reliance on a cell phone has increased substantially since I first started. Um, I I don't want to really predict where we're headed in the future, but what I can tell you is that we could sure use a, a little dose of this every now and again. I think that it's really important to integrate this into your regular life. Like go outside, um, uh, go on a hunting trip, go on a fishing trip, go on a canoeing trip, go on a hiking trip. Um, feel that camaraderie. Get around a campfire. Get out and feed your soul. Um, you're not feeding it through a screen. And um, it seems like every day we keep more and more living our life through a screen that we hold four inches from our face. Mm-hmm. Or, well, not four inches, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's the way that seems to be the way of the future as well. I, I don't see it slowing down much. Um, I just hope that we remember 
to to balance that out with uh, uh, putting it down, getting away from it, uh, and and that's I, I'm singling out cell phones, but it's not just cell phones. It's it's everything. It's the it's the overstimuli that we're exposed to all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were out hunting out there, uh, there's there's stimuli happen all around you, but it's a totally different stimuli. Mm-hmm. Um, and in modern world, it's it's like that times like ten thousand or something. Everything's much louder and chaotic, and we see that a lot when because like. You mentioned we do spend a lot of time out on trail and when we do kind of some of these longer stretches when we get back into town it's like whoa there's a lot of noise here mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's not quiet um and the woods aren't quiet either but they're a heck of a lot quieter than uh our modern environment that we live in every day mm-hmm. taking a minute to slow down and and be in touch with the nature is is it's really good for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope that we can, as people, remember that and try to integrate that more so into our lives. Um, maybe put the phone down a little bit more and, and, and go and talk to those people in person, go out and uh, get out in the woods with them, socialize with them out in the woods. That can be such a bonding experience. I've don't know how many trips I've been on uh, where people meet people for the first time. They spend six days or seven days together, and they become lifelong friends. Yeah, I can yeah. I can tell you. Uh, you know, uh, it reminded me of uh, where we used to do high chip trips for a certain company in Canada, stock uh, company, uh, stock brokers, and I remember one of them saying. I say hi to him every day in the hall, and I never really knew who he was, you know? And by the end of that trip, they knew each other very well. That's cool. But he worked with him for 30 years, Uh, and he had no idea really who he was, you know? And and it's just the way we do, you know? And and in that uh, difficult kind of uh, scenario or... Yeah, that, uh, you know, and they were together and really together and really there and not just passing each other in the hall and stuff like that. But, yeah, mm-hmm. got to know who was right beside you. That's you know? right, yeah. And, you, and he, he didn't know him for 30 years. Didn't, didn't really know him. That's exactly kind of what, what I'm talking about, you know. We, we need people in our lives, and we need that interpersonal connection. Um, and every day it seems like, you know, even as much as technology has advanced, it's not, it's not a person and you can't live in there. It doesn't satisfy your psyche in the way that having real personal communication does. Mm -hmm. I think there's some, some studies that, you know, if, if, have kind of tried to look at that, you know, and the damage that is done to people, like psychologically, I guess, you know. Yeah, it just seems like 
you know, maybe in the last decade, we've had really had our foot on the gas pedal yeah. and heading us heading a direction. And, and, um, you know, you, yeah. you see everybody walking around, they're just staring down. So they, yeah. They need that wilderness experience more than ever, you know, more than ever. Yeah. Yep. What's the optimum amount of days you think is it, or like with the minimum, like somebody who's in the city right now, who's, yeah. Man, I just, it's hard for me to get away from work. And they're listening and they're like, maybe this sounds really cool. This sounds like something I need, yeah. but I, I can only get like four days or three days or six days. Or what's, yeah. what's the amount of time that you think is like the sweet spot to where it's like, okay, this is what I need to get somebody to disconnect? I, I really feel like you need a, a minimum. I keep saying 48 hours, a minimum of two days entrenched in the wilderness in today's world. And some people it's more like three days, but definitely by day four, you're settling into a groove. You've, we can perceive it as guides because we take people out all the time that aren't doing it like we're doing it. Um, they come in from that modern world and then coming to the experience. Now, we just got off of the experience, right, on the last trip. So we're already in the groove. Um, mm -hmm. So it's very uh, tangible to us that when they come on. It's like, okay, in a couple of days, they're going to they're gonna really be here with us. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're, they're here. They're only partially here. Yeah, and that's kind of the world that we're living. Like in person, you're there, but you're only you're only kind of there. Um, you're also thinking about what's going on over here in your phone, um, and or what's going. You know, you're not in the present. And I I really think like a minimum of of two days to to get yourself into the present is what you need. And then, but then you have to have some days. When you're in the present to right. really get the most out of it, right? You can't quit after two days. You just got there. You just got there. You finally arrived. And so uh, that's why our shortest trips are three-day trips as a minimum. Now, that's really not long enough, but some people um, can get there. But just as soon as they're getting there, they get a day, day and a half of it that we head home. Yeah. Um, you know, that's interesting that you can see that you can see. Okay, almost definitely transition. They're, they're partially here. They're partially here. Yeah. Okay, you've arrived. Yep, like you're here now. That's interesting. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, perceivable, tangible to us because uh, we do it every day. Yeah, uh, and um, we know. You know, I know that in two days I will have your focus way better than I do. At, on day one you 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 experienced it too you know I did. It's, it you know you, you, you remember when you i said to, it yeah yeah oh yeah totally <laughs> you, you have to you have to kind of get into the groove there you know and yeah we're there now i mean we could go for we could do this for another month you know get our <laughs> systems down and yeah yeah, yeah. We, we have to sleep sometime though you know yeah we've been going <laughs> we've been going at it we've been going at it but it feels good it's like a good tired like you yeah, get yeah. up and you're like oh this is cool we're doing it again you like know, a natural is, tired yeah, yeah natural tired yeah it feels good it's not it's not a stress per se it's mm -hmm. more of like a oh man it's just a natural uh like uh 
a happy exhaustion mm-hmm. kind right. of thing. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're like you were saying, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. But I, I'm like, yeah, me too. In a good way, though. Yeah. Like I was thinking that <laughs> same thing. Healthy tired. In a healthy tired. In a healthy, exactly. And then when you sleep, you're sleeping good. And then you wake up to this, like, you know, just right before the sun comes up. I told you like that. You're, you're just, we're, we're just starting, yeah. me anyway, you've yeah. been here, but I've, I've, I'm just starting to get into it and it feels really good that way. But that's so, that's so cool that you can, you've been doing it this long to where you see when they get from the city right there and they're like, okay, he or she, they're on their phone and this and that. And then finally you, you probably see it in their eyes. Cause I remember I got up in that, I don't know, it was the second or third day and I'm like, you know, I could get used to this. This is actually cool, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, when you were that day, I was like, "Yep, it, he's made it. He's yeah, arrived." Yeah. Check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I was trying to pretend the first couple of days. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And Everybody I, does. Yeah, and then I finally woke up and I was like, "Oh man, my body just feels different today." It's like it's mm-hmm. it's this like I said, like a kind of a happy exhaustion. It's like oh, I'm rolling out of my sleeping mm-hmm. bag and. You know, you can hear the 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 morning, the morning coming alive, yeah. mm-hmm. and man, it's just it's a it feels natural. It feels like it's such a good feeling. You know, there's times I didn't want to look at my. Remember, you handed me my phone after like day three. You're like, take you, this. You need to take it for you need, safety. You need to take it for safety. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Do I have I to? Guess, yeah. I guess I'll take it. You know, and then. Then finally, when we got service, it was dinging off again. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't want to take this thing. But here, here we are. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting, the, that balance. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? When, when we go back, you you, you got to look at your phone. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's to survive in your, in your environment. Um, this is just a refreshing, it's just a refreshing break from it, I Very think. Refresher, yeah. And I think the... Um, the thing with this hunt so difficult that uh, it has to be about the journey, not the destination. Because if it's just about harvesting a bear, you're gonna be disappointed. But yeah, we you know we had the experience, and we you know regardless if we're lucky and we get a bear, any of the three of us, we're all gonna be just ecstatic. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's that'd be awesome if Absolutely. that happens. Yeah. But if looking- it doesn't, it's okay. You know, it's yeah. okay. I'm looking at it more of like, an, uh, just like we all went to school, I'm looking at it as just an education, you know, like exactly. we're eventually, I'm going to eventually going to get my diploma. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know if it's going to be today. Yeah. Where you know, are you anyway? You know, third grade. Or I certainly, yeah. I'm, I, I think I'm in preschool. Kindergarten. Yeah. I, I, I don't think so. I certainly don't, I don't want to be handed my diploma. I don't want somebody to say, here, here, here's your diploma. It was like, I didn't do any work, you know, but it's, it's. We're pushing you a little harder each day. I don't know if you realize it. I mean, I, I don't. think you do. I don't, I, mean, I don't realize We send it. you, we send you on your own now. Earlier on, we weren't sending you. Yeah. We, we were going with you. Yeah. More. And now, you know, we've, we've gotten to the next step a little bit. And when you're alone. Oh, I think this is it's a whole different game. You're oh, making yeah. all your own choices. Now you're hunting. Yeah. You're following along with me, and I'm showing you all this stupid stuff just to entertain you, I guess. But I no, think it's, it's good. I think it's cool. But when you're on your own, you know, I'm not there messing up your hunt. It's all your hunt. No, it's know? an educational experience. Yeah. There's a lot that you're t- you, you're teaching me when you're with me, if, especially about sign. Like when you know when mm. you're both with me, like we're looking at sign together, and I'm like, there's a lot. 
I learned in, in the first 24 hours with you that I, I had no idea what that was, you know, and, and you're like, like clearly explaining this is what you want to look for is what you want to look at this. This is what, and as the hunt progressed and again, last few days being on my own, especially this morning, you got to be on your own. Cause then I charged like, up the top of the mountain. Yeah. Like I was lost. I, I <laughs> first I was on the trail and then I got off the trail and I'm like, okay, you've never been there before. I've never been there before. No. And I'm going through, I told you, Jason, yeah. I was like, I got lost. So I had to make my way. I'm like, okay, I'm going to the top of this mountain. So may as well just keep charging up, you yeah. know, even though I'm off the trail, I'm, I'm going straight through the forest slapped in the face with all this you know <laughs> i'm telling you and yeah, there's some beach yeah, making there. making yeah. some serious <laughs> serious noise yeah. Yeah. up there yeah. now because yeah. when you're yeah. off the trail you're off the trail you're like you're you're beating down the bush you wish you had a machete <laughs> yeah yeah and so i just just kept moving up 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 and finally got to the granite top and yeah. and that whole thing you and knew you were there when yeah. you got there oh yeah you'd never yeah. seen it before yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh but yeah no that's an experience did you did jason did i tell you that i was following a bear's tracks to the top no but yeah. you know what that's great i've done that more times in more situations it's not easy it's not easy to follow a bear you have to I was look lucky. closely no know? i i believe yeah. me it wasn't me yeah it was like <laughs> I was like, well, look at that! I'm still on his trail. He, yeah, because like, he know there's this, he knows how to get up there, and 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 you're trying to take that same best path. As exactly, taking, yeah. I'm I'm following the path of like we've t I've said it many a yeah. times this hunt path of least resistance. I'm so following yeah. even though it's not a trail. Yeah. I'm going okay. I got to go through this way, and then boom, there's this track. I'm like, wow, look at that! I'm on this this bear's trail. Yeah, and then I walk a few more steps. It might have been like you know ten whatever. Oh, boom, there's his track again. Boom, another track. I'm yeah. like, what? You know, like I can't believe that I'm actually. <laughs> you like, chose the right fork. I, I chose the right path to <laughs> yeah. go, and it didn't look like a path. It looked like just bush. Right, you know, but it was really interesting to look down and see the claw. I was like, "Oh, look at that! Let's look at that! Let's look at that pad there with the claws." I'm like, "This is crazy! I can't believe I'm walking in his footsteps." You and know, very, very few bear hunters or would, her would be able to recognize that because I, I wouldn't most, have. Most bear hunters are going to sit watching their bait, hoping a bear comes out. They're not trying to look for sign, or you know if you're if you're running with trained bear dogs same thing you're not looking for tracks mm -hmm. what we're doing is that type of hunt you know and it's different and and yeah you've learned a lot like that because you know normally a lot of hunters they would just walk and they would never see that track mm -hmm. they would still you know be stepping right over and walking on a bear's track and not mm -hmm. notice it so you, you have to be that perceptive and 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 recognize, I guess, you know, what, what what's there. The first bear track I ever saw was Lisa Feener. She showed mm -hmm. me a bear track and I looked at it and I go, Damn. How in the hell do did you, you did you yeah. first of all, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there was a leaf over it. I yeah. saw you pull the leaf off for a bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And I'm you like, have to do that a lot. <laughs> and, yeah. And I didn't I and 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 then when she actually pulled it off there, she goes, There's a trap. She did it so quickly, she goes, she pulls, pushed it. She goes, there's one. And then she just kept walking. And I looked, I'm behind her like a lost dog looking at it, look, going, 
holy shit, that's, that really is a track there. Look at that. And I was like, it was coming alive as I was looking at it. Yeah. Right. And I, first, then I was looked up at her. She's just charging ahead. And I'm like, how did she even see that? The leaf is over the whole, pretty much the whole thing. <laughs> you know? And it just comes with time, yeah. Yeah, even over does, these last yeah. six days. A lot of practice. Exactly. I would have never, charging up the mountain, I would have never known that I was in a bear's tracks if, totally. you, if totally. you hadn't showed me, yeah. okay, let's look at this. Look at the, how... Look at my hand and how he put his or her hand in that or next to it. And that this is a small bear here. And wow, look at this. Look at this. This is a big bear here. And like, and the, you know, yeah. so it was like, it's such an education. Yeah. So that's how I see this as an education, whether we get a bear tomorrow, the last day or not. It's like, okay, boom. I'm like, I, I feel like I just graduated maybe second grade. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh no. And then you're maybe, like, past that. And then maybe, you know, next hunt, who knows? Maybe tomorrow. I mean, yeah. who knows? No, we're putting you on this on the fast track. We we got you into high school, I think, at this point. Well, I'm in the cliff notes just <laughs> starting this podcast. I have to I have to get the experts to talk to me about it. That's the whole that's the whole point. <laughs> but but yeah, no, you guys have been amazing. Like I don't it's been like a really great education, knowing just just the topography, looking at where we are, like a good example, Jason, we were talking about this before the podcast is what, I, this is what I wanted you to talk about is we remember when we were coming down from the mountain, you're like, okay, this is a moose bed and it's not just one moose bed. There's a moose here. There's a moose there. And then you go, they've been using this for a while. Like this is this these beds are used consistently over and, and over, yeah. and then yeah. you just walked ahead, and I'm like, yeah. I'm looking at the beds, and I'm like, how the hell does he know that there's there's first of all I could see something laid down here, but how does he know that they've been using this every you know? So tell talk to me about that. How did what? Well, what's I that knew all that about? from forty yards away. I was just saying that so that you would know that. But, how? Um, <sighs> time experience mm -hmm. um going in in the pursuit of moose time and experience in the pursuit of moose as just like with bear yep just like with bear and, and a lot of the other animals that we hunt um uh, you're studying them mm. you're learning them and um we've we've hunted moose many times and uh, you're always looking for that type of thing um, so when, when I did come across that with you today, um, it was easy. It was, at, uh, moose are fairly easy. They're a very large critter. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, they make a pretty big dent on, yeah. the, on the air. And, and in that particular circumstances, they, they were uh, definitely frequenting that, that one bedding area, which would be great if we were moose hunting, mm -hmm. we would want to focus in on, on that area. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and that's one of the things that we look for. I, I don't know if I answered your question directly. But. No, it's no. I could clearly see that they were like when I, when you walked away. I go. I it was like kind of coming misty, and it was yeah. wet. The leaves were wet around it, and it looked like okay. Yeah, it's definitely matted down. It's drier, obviously. So it's like a, it's a bed. And then you and I looked over there, like oh, there was another moose over there. Okay, I get. I can see that too. But is how did you know that they that they're consistently using it? So is some of the smaller details and in the overall picture, um, 
both gave me clues. The overall picture was was quite large. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a fairly large area, which uh, was larger than one moose bed or or even two or three moose beds. It was it was multiple moose beds, uh, kind of flattening a whole area for the for mm-hmm. the listening audience. Um, uh, but also, I I knew that they were doing it over time because I could see that the ferns that were bent over at different um life stages uh okay so they some of the ferns were were bent over and already dead and brown mm-hmm. some of the ferns were bent over and still green mm-hmm. and that would give you an indication if you can identify that those those brown ones were uh green recently and mm. and then laid over and had the time to die. Now I feel stupid. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's obvious. Yeah. Well, it is when you break it all down, just like you know when you're teaching people two plus two equals four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when you first learn it, you're like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did um, you not see that? Yeah. No. No, that makes uh, complete just common sense. Yeah, obviously. It it takes a lot of time um, of really trying to understand everything that's around you. Mm. And um, that's that's what I always try to do. That's what you kind of raised me to do um, uh, is to see my environment and try to break it down, try to interpret it, try to interpret it, Mm. try to read it like a book. Mm. Uh, There's so much information there. And, and it, and I might sound like I'm reading every single word on the page. I'm not, Mm. I'm reading, I'm giving you the cliff notes. I'm, there's still so much more on smaller levels that I'm, that I'm, that even I'm missing or dad's missing. That's right. Um, but, the more you try to apply yourself to to reading your environment, um, the more you kind of understand it. The, the more things pop out to you, the easier it is to read. Essentially, mm-hmm. just like when you first start reading, you are learning a new language. This is uh, sort of you think of it as a language. You know, it, you. A lot of times I look at something and I don't recognize, it's like you wouldn't recognize that word necessarily, but you kind of try to break down the root and kind of figure out the meaning of it. A lot of times when you look at sign, you know something happened there. Now, sometimes I I, I don't know for sure if it's a bear or something else, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm constantly looking for bear signs, so I'm always trying to learn that language you know and mm. what they're doing i don't know we're talking about those bears climbing those ash trees i have no idea why i first encountered it on that same mountain in 2005 uh my first time up and i'm like i don't know why they're doing that i don't know if anyone knows that made me that made me pause when you said you didn't know why no, no because idea. i because i was thinking about it too i'm like why would they climb those recreational or are they getting up so you can see better or are they trying to get away from them what's your hypothesis what's your hypothesis on it like why would would they be because there's not there's no food no no there's no food and food's what really drives them you know one of my theories is that uh they're climbing to get up high because they're nervous because there's a 
I think because it happens on these beach nut years. It was a beach nut year when I first saw it. It doesn't happen every year, but you have a very high density of bears up at a high level. Some of them have moved from their home range to this spot, and they're not really comfortable. It's not their place, but they're there because there's food there and there's not food at home. And so now they're uncomfortable. So that's my theory, that they climb up so that they're safe. They're, they're not a big bear, and they are bigger bears around, and they know it. And they can climb up there and kind of look all around, listen. Yeah. They why, can see a lot and Why just the ash, though? Is, are they a more stable tree? Or? I mean, I think they're easy climbing, but they don't have nice limbs. They don't have nice limbs for... Uh, you know, resting on. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good question. Why ash? Because yeah, it yeah. is. It was yeah. the big ash trees. But, yeah. And it was even some of the smaller ash and trees. And they were climbing the small ones, but it, too. But it was like, in that particular area, it was every single ash tree. But that's what I, I, I remember. I didn't write it down. There was maples, there was oaks, there was beaches. Ironwood, everything. Ironwood. But, and yellow birch. They, mm-hmm. they were climbing. Ash. ash. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and no, re- no, no real thought of why. No, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the to climb an ash tree is quiet. I, I know it sounds funny, but the the bark is kind of corky and kind of soft, so they can climb an ash tree without making a lot of noise. That that could be, you know, who knows? But that could have be a big deal, you know, to be able to climb up there quietly, look around, listen for a while. Mm. Kind of nervous. There's a big guy around here somewhere. Mm. And, okay, I guess it looks safe. I'll go back down and eat, yeah. eat some more and then maybe climb. But it is, It's. I mean, the more you think about it, the more questions you have. So maybe I'm right. Maybe that's what they're doing. Mm. Uh, but why ash? You know, yeah. that's the next why question. Ash? Yeah, yeah, why you ash? Know, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Because when you both were like, yeah, I wonder why they're climbing the ash trees. You guys had an answer for everything except for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, but see, you know, I, had, I have already given it a lot of thought. But I don't, it's not like just because I had witnessed it myself on a nut year. So they don't do it on, an, on a year that doesn't have acorns and beech nuts. And so that makes... That's my clue that there's something. There's a correlation there. There's something different about the nut year. So one thing I know is bears move fairly great distances sometimes to get to those areas of concentrated food. Um, So they're away from home. Mm. They're in an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar bears. Uh, probably some bears that are bigger and 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 kind of a uh, intruder of sorts. Yeah, and, and they are. They're out of they're on somebody else's street, and it's kind of uh, a lot of bears up there. It's kind mm-hmm. of scary, especially for a smaller bear. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I think there's. I mean, I I don't think I would say that every bear that climbed those trees was under 150 pounds, but a lot of them. I think a lot of them are smaller bears. They were. They did tend to be the smaller size trucks. You know, that big bear, if he went up a tree like that, you'd really know it. But they—that's a lot of weight to go on to twenty claws. Mm. And twenty claws is the only thing that would be holding him onto that tree, and there'd be a lot of sliding. 
because hmm. yeah. it's so heavy and that hundred plus pounds. And, and he wouldn't he wouldn't want to climb a tree, right? No, no. At that weight? No, I don't think. I mean, if fear is the motivator, if I'm right in my theory that they like to get up there and listen and look and and then go back down and feed, and then they think they heard something, maybe. There was something. They climb another tree and look around and listen. Because they get up there, and they can probably see further, but they definitely hear further, too, mm -hmm. and, and better. And even if they just suspected they heard something, they're in a safer spot mm -hmm. up there. So, so it, and you were touching on it, but the, the reason why the bigger bear is less apt to do that is probably because he feels Talk. less threatened. He mm -hmm. is less fear-driven for them to be climbing the trees. So I I totally... Uh, you buy that? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, you sold it to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Or he's or the, maybe the, the, <laughs> the younger, more immature, like bears that are scared, is showing the bigger bear, maybe I'm not climbing the birch trees, I'm not trying to steal your food, I'm just climbing these trees. I mean, Oh, that's, that's interesting, a, interesting to That's take, a neat you know? yeah, theory. I mean, they have a lot of options, but they're clearly choosing ash, and that's the question that I have a little higher. Time yeah, I'm just re I'm yeah. reaching on that one. Yeah. Just trying to like, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know why, because they're all. It seems like they're smart, so they and they're doing it for a reason, right? Yeah. So what what is that reason? Yeah, we just need to give them a mic and send them down at the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think let we're him, uh, let them tell us. If, yeah, if we were a bear, we'd probably know the answer right away. Uh, mm -hmm. I do, I do think that the ash trees are really good uh, candidates for climbing because the bark's very consistent. It's kind of corky, kind of quiet as they they can grip it really well, and, and it's consistent. So they, you know, is like, it good for their claws? Maybe it could like, be. Like I mean, strengthens their claws if they're younger. Yeah, it could be, like, but no, not like know. a cat. I don't think sharpening their claws, but. Uh, well, I think they can the important they're pretty. Easy. Yeah, and the important uh, information there, or another you know, big relevant fact, is that it happens on nut years. Hmm, yeah, that's it, true. Concentration it, it, it doesn't. I was speaking with you earlier. Um, we we've been up that mountain countless times, oh, yeah. and there was more sign up there, um, you know, during our hunt than I've that i've seen in factors yeah yeah not just uh, pronounced it's like it, it was so uh abundant that it was in my face it was like wow there's a lot of bears up here and that that's a unique circumstance because that's not the way it normally is mm. uh, although there are normally quite a few bear up there but it's it was really dense. Yeah. Do you think it's because they're cutting the other mountains though too? Yeah, that probably contributes to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and they and they cut part of the one that we were on. Yeah. Um, That's sad to see because you wonder wonder where they're going to go when they do. Because where does right, it end? Yeah. Yeah. When it, where yeah. does it end? Yeah. When the I mean, granted, that's private, technically private land, right? They right. get they yeah. they can cut the those companies can cut what they want when they want. I just wonder, like, where those bears are going to go, you know, yeah. when they do cut them. They have limitations. Yeah. Uh, they can't cut anywhere they want. 
but uh, like uh, particularly around uh, moving water streams and rivers, mm. they can only cut so close to protect the habitat for fish and such. But I always thought, you know, you're protecting the rivers way down here, and I think that's great. Um, it's you know to make keep the water in good condition. But how about <laughs> saving some of the high spots? And, and I, Vermont really. Uh, did a lot of that you know they they have restrictions uh trying to save uh high quality beach stands for bear specifically for bear but uh almost everything eats beach nuts uh but anyway uh, i was always when i first started seeing some cutting high up some of those slopes i'm like geez i wish there was a limit they could only go so high and i don't mm. know how you would you know employ that so that in a way uh, deploy uh, uh, rules. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. To exactly. preserve their habitat up the, there, you mean? The only thing that's saving it is those steep spots. Those steep spots are very difficult for mm. them. And so some of that, those places, even if it's just a ledge, it's only like 8 or 10 feet vertical, mm-hmm. it's, it's enough to kind of protect what's above it a lot of times. So uh, I think that's going to be what saves some of the, that country, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's also important to point out that probably the mountain that we were on, I mean, not probably, the mountain that we were on has been cut before. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. And and it, it will probably be cut again, and it will regrow again. Yeah. Now, whether or not we'll get the benefit to be able to enjoy it, the way it is now, not in our in, lifetime. In, in the future, it yeah. won't. But but the next generation might have very similar experience to what we had. Um, a lot of that growth up there is fairly new growth. They've they've definitely cut parts of it, um, but left parts of it. And mm-hmm. uh, you know the the forests in Maine are are active forests. They're they're constantly being used and um, and turned over, if you will, as mm. a working forest. Working forest, and the, and uh, you know the thing is, uh, we had all kinds of opportunity. We had uh, still, you know what I mean. Even with the cutting and uh, the active cutting that's going on right now, we had lots of choices. You know, lots of choices. It wasn't like we were down to like we can only hunt this little area. Um, it's it's. Um, and the the Not animals that in that environment adapt. Um, that th- there was that right side that that you came up uh, this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been to the right of where you came up this morning. It was very thick and dense. That was recently. Cut, um, yeah. That was that was cut maybe uh, six years ago. Seven. No, years more ago. than that. A was little it? bit more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it was. Uh, it looked like the environment that was on your left. Yeah. When when we were up there, uh, first kind of got up there, and and yeah. uh, it's now grown up to provide a really good habitat for the bears to kind of hold up. Mm-hmm. Escape uh, cover. Yeah. yeah, good cover for a lot of different things, and that's and that's kind of the cycle that that all of the woods up here uh, are kind of in or subject to, mm-hmm. unless they're next to, you know, a water source, and and that buffer barrier is is um fairly limited mm. yeah 
Yeah, Maine is really interesting state in how they. I, I, I say that because I, I don't know too much about other states if they manage them that way, but learning about the amount of land that uh, rural land that's available to recreate on, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the the lumber companies uh, allow the public to do that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty special. It really is. Yeah. I, I never realized that until I left Maine. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I took it for granted, but then uh, in the pursuit of all these other things and traveling to all these other states and, and trying to recreate in them and hunting them and stuff like that, uh, I really realized that we have something special up here mm-hmm. um, where permission in Maine is is implied. Yeah. Your access... Somebody coming in. There's light, light outside. Your access uh, to our natural resources is implied unless otherwise stated. Um, and that's very different from a lot of other states. Uh, and a lot of the land is owned by large, very large uh, corporate entities. And mm-hmm. they, they could, if they wanted to, shut down that access. Um, but it's so entrenched in our community, our, the main people, the pushback would possibly drive those companies right out. We might be able to create laws saying that they can't do it. In public relations, uh, there's, there's people might retaliate by starting forest fires and things like that, you know. Because yeah. people now come to expect that that's almost like it's their right, you know. It's not public yeah. land, it's private land, but it's always been treated as if it's public land, mm. and and people kind of get used yeah. to that. And uh, to take it away, there'd be a, a kind of a, a politically or whatever, uh, you know, bad for the company a little bit, so... Here, turn your mic this way a little bit, Randy. That that yeah, way. Every time you look at me, you can't. I can't. I I should just turn look the whole thing straight like at the caribou. Like horns. this. <laughs> like turn it like that. Okay. That. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Um, I, but no, it's really I that I, there's nothing like it that I that I know of to where you could just basically go into the forest and yeah. if it's you know if, as long as you have a tag and it's hunting season you can just go hunting yeah there's nobody and, within 10 miles of you either that's just kind of yeah, cool too. yeah which is awesome <laughs> the only problem is it's so doggone thick, <laughs> it's thick yeah. you gotta walk your butt in there yeah. you know and into the forest which is pretty neat yeah you know you think like oh it would you want know, a real challenge do it with the bow well you know, realistically, most of your shots are bow shots. Yeah, most of yeah. You can't yeah. see much more than that. Yeah. 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 It's the first time actually hunting with my lever gun, too, with that, my, that brush mm-hmm. gun, mm-hmm. which is what was a cool experience hunting open sites, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So that's that was a pretty neat experience. That's a good tool for the for the chore it is <laughs> it is yeah and it's good something good to practice with which i haven't i haven't practiced open sites you know mm-hmm. um jason i want to ask you this uh, as well like uh, i got to meet your lovely wife mm-hmm. uh, gretchen you guys have been married just a few years a couple years now yeah our second anniversary will be in a few days yeah oh <laughs> awesome you got anything planned oh wait uh, you, you get to say I, what i got planned is to come home like a 12 day run right now so she's yeah. happy about that i'm sure yeah so, and we got to thank her for bringing the 
what kind of beans? Uh, those were what we call in Maine bean hole beans. Bean hole beans. Yeah, uh, as the traditional way that we kind of prepare beans, and it stems back to the log driving era, and when they uh, they at least two solid meals of beans every day. That's awesome. Yeah. So those are the best beans I ever had. I told her that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, bean hole beans, man. Those were good. Um, and then you guys have a baby on the way. Yep. Right. Yeah. She's uh, was how many weeks? Uh, twenty eight weeks now. Twenty eight weeks. Yeah. You got to be excited. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited. Uh, looking forward to uh, bringing on the next generation and and passing along all these these things that we've been working toward. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, how? I mean, she got into a relationship with you, obviously knowing that you're gonna you're gone a lot. That's got to be tough or a challenge. How do you guys? How do you guys manage that? It, it is challenging. Um, uh, a lot of trust, a lot of faith. Um, mm. uh, being completely honest and open. Uh, yeah, it, it's a challenge to be away, and I think it will be more challenging in the in the near future when when the next generation comes along. Yeah. Um, uh but at the same time uh if i was to not have this in my life i would i would be missing a big part of who i am mm. it would be like you know being in prison or something um this being in the woods being in the wilderness um is where i find peace it's where i find tranquility um, it's, it's what rejuvenates me and it's, it's fulfillment. Uh, yeah, it's part of it. So like a certain satisfaction that comes with it. Yep. Um, and, and I was fortunate enough to find somebody that shared <laughs> that, uh, that kind of love and, and awe of the, of the woods. Um, even though she's, uh, it doesn't do it like I do it uh, for a living or anything. Um, she's always thoroughly enjoyed the outdoors and and uh, wants to continue to to explore it. And I've and I've opened her eyes to a lot of different things like hunting, um, which she's never really done before uh, uh, meeting me. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's that's uh, sounds like she's. I mean, from meeting her, she sounds awesome. She's she is awesome. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, she's. That's cool that you have somebody that's supportive that uh, will support your lifestyle where you're gone for like what weeks and months at a time sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, the our longest stretch that we're away for is is our southwest season, and um, that's when we. Uh, had had about enough of our main winter, <laughs> mm. and uh, the end of February we load up and and we relocate down to Texas and Utah, um, and we run a series of trips down there that are really awesome and they and they kick off our season, um, and uh, it kind of it's springtime in the desert, um, so it's a it's a really nice environment for us up here in the north because mm. uh, because we're used to those type of conditions 85 degrees 80 degrees and nice cool nights it's, it's really nice but anyways that's uh that's our longest stretch and um that goes for maybe eight weeks 
seven weeks, six weeks, depends on how many trips that we have. Um, and th that's a hard period. Uh, she comes, she has come down and, and share some of that time down in the Southwest with us. Mm. Um, I think if she had it her way, she'd, she'd just run around with us all the time. And maybe she will in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. She seems like that. She almost seems like the type of person that would be like a partner in your in your business with you, like that's with you all the time doing it, you know? Yep, yep. The only thing that uh, is kind of uh, holding her back is that uh, she really loves what she does as well. She's, yeah. she's kind of in her dream job, um, uh, working with fish and uh, uh, working at the research facility in Franklin. Um She's always loved marine wildlife, uh, marine life. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so where she's at and what she's doing uh, is the hands-on aspect of the research in the facility. And, and that's going to be hard for her to, to let that go. And, and so that's where we're kind of like torn on. Yeah, trying to figure that out. Well, good luck with that. I hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's, everything is going to work out great. When I met her, she just seemed right away that she was, you know, uh, she was a, a good uh, partner for you. You know, <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys seem like two peas in the pod there. But uh, we're at two hours and fifteen minutes. I think we did pretty good. Anybody have anything other than Jason? I want you to tell everybody about you know how how to get in touch with you and that kind of thing if they wanted to get a. Uh, expedition or or uh, um, or wanted to reach out to you too yep. but anything else we need to touch on about bear camp this year no i don't yeah i don't know i mean we could talk uh longer yeah, one of us can fall asleep probably. here pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a this is a really comfy cabin compared to the yeah. what, not i'm not at all complaining about the last six days it was awesome at, you know cooking on an open fire and you know, basically falling asleep in our chairs at the campfire and, That's you right. know, and waking up, you know, all smoky. Um, I, I won't complain about that a second, but this being in this cabin here is, is, is like a luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, in the, we're in the cabin tonight. So, yeah, but, uh, but no, it's been a great adventure and tomorrow's the last day and, we're hoping to see some fur. We're hoping to see a bear and uh, get a good experience. And uh, if we do, we'll have we'll have a lot more to say. But um, I want to thank you both for this experience. It's been great. You know, um, I'm embarrassed that it's taken this long to experience. You know, uh, the outdoors this way. You know, uh, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it sucks. It's really embarrassing that you that you know you live your whole life, and you you finally wake up to something. You know, it's it's like God. Why didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I experience this earlier? Because I thought about it. I was laying in my tent saying, "God, when's the next time I can do this?" Like I'm trying to plan out <laughs> plan out in my yeah. head. You know, you yeah. finally yeah. arrived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. great. It was it's a great yeah. experience. I I recommend it. And I recommend this amount of time too. Like yep. the six day mark is really 
for you, we're talking tw- you know, 24, 72 hours, whatever. I'm that's a minimum. Yeah, yeah. I that's when I I clicked and I woke up that morning and I was like, okay. Now I see I I've I'm, like you say you see it in their eyes you see that they've arrived. I felt that way too. It, I don't I don't know if I would call it that, but I just felt like okay, man, that's now I I feel like it definitely something has definitely has changed here. I definitely don't need to go back into the world if I don't have to. How, you know, how am I going to do these next three days and make it enjoyable? And like, you know, it's your mind just completely changes. You, you, right. you stop resisting it, right. you know, and it's, it's obvious that people are going to feel like that because they've lived in that world for so long. Right. They've lived with their phone staring at, like you said, the screen constantly waiting for that text message, waiting for that email, you know, working and, you know, constantly looking at your phone and this and that and answering this, you know. And so when it's not with you and you just have the outdoors, you have the campfire, you're hearing the wind, you're, you know, for us stalking and, you know, walking through the woods, it's just a completely different kind of uh, primal experience that's, uh, all I can say in a word is natural. Natural. And, yeah. and, 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 and that you, that's priceless. You know, that experience is priceless and, and nobody can take that away from you. You know, you're going to have that. You're going to be able to think back to, you know, whatever, watching the moon rise each night. Yeah. 55 it, minutes later each yeah. night. And you know that this exists now. Yeah. And you'll hopefully experience it more in the future. The yeah. weird thing is that everybody knows it exists. We all know that it's out there. We've all heard, oh, camping. We've right. all heard, oh, hunting. We've heard, you know, but... Like, it, unless you really disconnect, really unplug, really disconnect, and get out there, and and spend a consistent amount of time. For me, like I said, like six, seven days, and really disconnect away from and 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 actually move your life into that different, that other world, legitimately. Not like the first two days where it's. I want to say it's fake, but it's kind of it's like, like you're visiting. It's like I'm visiting. Yeah. 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 And then you become like you're living. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would recommend it to everybody, even if they feel like they don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it because it's... They might be surprised. Yeah. yeah. And on that subject, you know, we, we also live in a world of instant gratification. We're always, we're like being told that that's what we need. Directly, indirectly, instant gratification, fast food, um, you know, all the blings and dings on your phone. That's all to stimulate your instant gratification. We really should take more time for ourselves. Um, And what I mean by that is uh, I I have this conversation with many a prospective uh, client and we talking about length of trip and you you start out with talking about four day or six day or eight day what what have you and uh if you if you start out with long days often what i hear is i i just i i can't have time for that i don't have time for that Mm. You, you can make time for it you know and and not only can you but you probably should um if you can't carve you know a week to 10 days out of your out of a year um to get out and and have this type of experience um you might want to reevaluate you know your priorities um 
we feel like we can't, but but we really can. We can go away for seven days. We can go away for ten days, um, and and we should. We should we should be promoting that within our society that it's okay to to take a longer uh, absence from your work or your phone or or what have you, and and go out on one of these trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, there's different components to health. It's not just eating better, you know. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. eat, I'm gonna eat more lean, or I'm gonna like not eat as much sugar. I'm not gonna eat as much salt or whatever it is. It's more than that kind of health. This this was very healthy. This is very healthy. This nourish your soul. You're feeding your soul. Yeah. yeah. I know it sounds that sounds deep. I know it sounds it like sounds like cheesy. Like yeah, cheesy and <laughs> and, and hooey pooey or whatever you want to call it. But it's there's nothing you can't I don't know how you could substitute it. Right? I don't know how you can uh how you can get it from anything else. I don't know how to artificially provide this experience and in in that environment yeah (laughs) you you have to it can't be virtual i mean it's fun reading magazines and watching videos on tv you know hunting videos and stuff is fun but it's completely different to be yourself 100 percent. and i would also recommend doing it not if you want the real experience don't do it in like a lodge or anything like that, where you still have some modern conveniences because you're in you, a tent, baby. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get in the wilderness. You gotta lay on the ground. Exactly, exactly. Lay on the ground. You gotta listen to the campfire crackle, um, smell the wood smoke, and and have it in your eyes. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, you tearing up and <laughs> yeah. you know, moving yeah. away from it. You know, you, that's how you achieve what we're what we've been talking about for that experience right? yeah right. um you you can't replicate if we were to have done this hunt out of this this uh, cabin for instance different experience it's a different experience yeah you, not that it'd be bad nope. either but you know it there is uh, no i don't think substitute I, I personally, I think laying on the ground is really important. Yeah, it is. people that yeah. put you know a cot in their tent, and lay on the cot, like this, they shouldn't. I I don't know. It <laughs> sounds it sounds weird again, but I it I does recall it. times when you hear a moose walk by. When you're laying on the ground, you feel it, mm-hmm. and you you wouldn't if you were in a cot. You you know, it's a different different experience. Yeah, there's a in Hawaii or just you know being in Florida too. Like when we're on the beach, there's people who you know sometimes the sand's too hot and you have to wear your slippers and that. But there's a difference in taking off your slippers and walking in the sand with your bare feet, getting in the water that way. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between taking mm-hmm. off your slippers and standing in in the grass, mm-hmm. right on the ground, right? Yeah, feeling it between your it, toes. feeling it between your toes. Yeah. There's a difference there than standing there standing yeah. in rubber slippers or it's whatever connection or something. Ex- yeah, that right. connection to the ground, and I th- I think you're onto something there, Randy, where you have to lay on the ground because I didn't feel it before. I've been like stay the night out and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and you know I've had some outfitted hunts where you're you're in a cabin and that kind of thing there's nothing like it there's no. this is this is where it is it's laying on the ground mm-hmm. the whole it sounds again weird but the crackle of the cramp the, the campfire 
the sitting around it, the getting your clothes just saturated in smoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that you're trying to do that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that experience. You know what else I was thinking as you were talking to, like when you're fixing supper or dinner at the at the campfire, and let's say it's taken a while, like yeah. you you're you, I want to help out. Like I'm like, hey, how can we? How can I help this process along? How can I help you do this? I'm sure you get that from from clients, maybe. Yeah. Too like with the, people want to help you or whatever. There's when you're driving through a drive-through, you don't get that, or you're you know you're or, you're nicer than a lot of them. A lot of them, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of clients are like, I paid for this. I'm gonna stretch out here yeah. and eat some crackers and cheese. Yeah. You oh, know? I'm sure. Like, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm sure there's clients that come in and that are that are 100 like that, but. I just feel like if you're, um, how would I put it? We're like a team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're always going to get people like that. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're going to get like people that just, you know, if they paid for the experience, they're just going to be like, I don't, I'm not doing a damn thing. I'm just going to (laughs) like, but, but I get, I get what you're saying, but there's the, I don't know that I guess we're all different people too. Right. So we're all going to, we're going to all going to behave a different way, but I'm hoping that a lot of people are able to get out and get this experience and get something out of it, even if it's something small to that they can take back into their lives. And yep. what's sad is, too, is that, you know, I'm talking all this trash and then I'm going to get out there and within a couple of days just fall right back into the same <laughs> routine. No, every so often. your phone all the time. Every so often, though, every so often you're going to. You, you, you're never going to forget. You know, every so often you're going to be it's able to strike go, you. go back to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you I'm hoping. It. I'm you hoping that's it. the case. You have yeah. it. It's it, you, it's there. You know, you have it. You just have to pull it up every so often. And you will. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. hurt to refresh it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and for folks that are, are uh, possibly listening to this that are really uh, new to the outdoor world and and, and even uh, things like sleeping on the ground might seem a little scary. Uh, I recommend hiring a guide. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're your safety net. Um, we can help you out with all that and uh, provide an environment that can ensure that you're going to be uh, comfortable. Mm-hmm. Even though you're you're in a very uncomfortable position to start with, um, so you know I, I would encourage everybody to do it. Even if you don't think that you have the skills or, or you don't think you cut out for it, um, give it a try. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I if, would agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I would agree. And uh, there's also there's you've been very approachable too to learn stuff too like why are you doing that or what is this about what's you guys are very uh approachable as far as like uh you know teaching people about i mean you you taught me a ton about sign you know and and i i I asked a ton about you know or i screwed up a lot about the fire like messing with the fire when i shouldn't (laughs) be messing with the fire don't don't be don't don't mess with the fire when someone's cooking on it (laughs) that's a big one but but there's there's a lot that a guide can teach you so i i 100 agree with that i'll also say too that um if you can't afford it you know if you're listening and you can't afford it you don't have like you, you don't have money to spend or maybe even time a lot of time to spend get out there for a day you know oh, yeah. and and mm-hmm. stay get your sleeping bag get yourself a tent 
get somewhere that's safe and sleep on the ground in front of a fire somewhere. Like start small. Right. Yeah, I don't even know how how you know baby steps if you have to right. to to at least get a taste. But that's no comparison as to like getting out there for multiple days and relying on the fire for your warmth, yeah. for your food, you know, and and really I mean, we had no electricity for a week. This is the first electricity in this cabin that we've had. Yep. And you know, all the water that we had, we had to get from a stream and boil it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We'd wash our dishes that way and so, so yeah, I mean, this is the longest I went without taking a shower, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we did t- jump in the we, lake. We, it was pretty cold. We jumped in the, the cold lake after, you know, a, a moose took its bath, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but, yeah, it's all a great experience being outside. So I would, I would recommend it to anybody who's, who's listening who'd, who would like to, uh, you know, experience something real, something natural, yep. something that they can re- that's tangible, that's inside all of us. Yep. You know, it'll awaken something inside you that you you, you may not know exists. Yeah, if you've yeah. not yeah. experienced it before, you're always you? seeing stuff like um, now. If you know, I can't even think of a good example. Superfoods and stuff, and and if you if you eat this or drink that and you do this, it's going to make you healthier. This will make you healthier. And, mm-hmm. you know, the stress, removing the stress, the stress level is like, is the most uh, da- uh, damaging thing to your body, mm-hmm. you know. And and this is how, this is better than all those superfoods and all those. It seems like every couple of years there's something new. It's like if you do this and you live, live longer and healthier and all mm-hmm. that. Well, I bet you none of those things are better than just getting that stress away and and i do think that this is one of the best ways to do it even though it's intimidating to people you kind of you get you know you'll be all right you yeah know? you'll yeah. be all right yeah it's where we all came from right <laughs> that's we right didn't, we didn't all have phones and hair dryers and makeup and all that kind of stuff like we, that's where we came from yeah. another thing i would say too is the glampers like the people who say no i can't do that but i can glamp i can get into like a trailer <laughs> for a few days that has like a toilet and this and that that's faking it it's not the same no. it's, it's not the it. same it's you have to get out there if even you, if the, I, there's something about the uncomfort too like there's that's right. absolutely it's not it's yep. there was a there was a couple nights there in the beginning to me it was cold it was yeah. got into the discomfort it's part of the experience yeah i swear it was in the high 30s i that's <laughs> i swear i swear god you, i think yeah guys yeah. from maine you guys are from maine you're like you 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 know, whatever you want to call me but uh, but yeah maybe it was in the 40s i don't know but it was cold that first night yeah it was, yeah. Chilly. Yeah. It was yeah. cold i relied on the fire yeah. i was I was hoping, this is my first time in, in that sleeping bag, I was like, please, God, let this sleeping bag be warm enough because I'm going to have to put on five layers before I climb in. And I was still, I was warm in there once I got into that cocoon. Right, but, yeah. man, getting in there was uncomfortable, like climbing into the tent, yeah. make, putting on two pairs of socks and, like, yeah. and like, and I've, you know, I hadn't taken a shower for a couple of days right. and I yeah. was like, this is very not good. This is not good. <laughs> yeah, push yeah. your push your comfort level. You know, uh, yeah. get outside your comfort zone. Yeah, um, 
it's more rewarding that way. It really is. And yeah. this is coming from somebody who's who hasn't done it. It was like it was a crazy. And I'm one of the first people to say, where's I, I'm not trying to be like, a you know, uh, you know, somebody who's like, OK, I hate to call myself a glamper before <laughs> this. like, <laughs> But I did kind of identify with that a little bit. I was like, OK, if I did it, then I need to have this. I might I, I might need to have this. I didn't have any I didn't have any of that this trip. Yeah. And I felt amazing. I was like this but I think I think I hurt your feelings when I say, hey, you know, all that stuff you got in your bag. I don't I don't even know what's in there, but you don't need it. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, need, you, were, you need your gun and your and your bullets. You don't need all the stuff in you're your right, bag. You're right, you're right. A lot of that is from like hunting in Hawaii. From the the standard in Hawaii is once you got your backpack on, you gotta have water. Mm-hmm. You got to have your headlamp. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have your gun. Mm-hmm. I usually like because you never know if it's going to rain. I usually will have like an like some kind of light jacket with a hood. I think that's reasonable. You know, and then um, a knife. A and compass. Exactly, a knife. Yeah. Yeah. The compass is the, a way to start a fire. Maybe yeah, two ways. <laughs> yeah, and those are simple, yeah. but it's always on my back. Yeah. Like that, it's always on my back because if you, if I shoot deer, then I I'm putting I'm packing the meat, so it looks like a lot, but it's like okay, he's got a backpack and a and a uh, and a rifle or whatever, and I carry my camera sometimes, you know, to to film your binos and my binos, yeah. yeah. And but once you start think, you know, okay, what else this is adding up? It's adding up. <laughs> but you were right. What what you need on this trip is you just need your gun. You just yeah. get out there and get your gun, but. You know, when you when you've really scaled it down, you that's technically all you need. But it did look like a lot. I'm like, okay, I got this backpack on, and it's cold. I'm all bundled up. <laughs> but anyway, that's yeah. that's a long that's a long way of saying this trip was awesome. I recommend it. I recommend like people sleep on the ground, like you were saying, Randy. I recommend the campfire. <laughs> yeah. You know, and at least if you have the time, at least you know for me a week. You know, yeah. get out there for a week and get on Definitely. the ground. So make so. time for it. Yeah, make time for it. And if you don't, if if you you're working your butt off for a whole year and you don't have a week to do this or something similar to this, what are you doing? Yeah, that's you right. What, what kind of life yeah. is that? What right. kind of yeah? What kind of you know unhealthy kind of lifestyle are you living? You know, yeah, and time to reevaluate some things. Definitely, definitely. Well, you do a good job, Jason. I mean, Randy, that goes without saying. You're the reason why I'm here. But Jason, I, I didn't realize that you did what you did. And it's my first time meeting you. Very impressed, man. I think you, you know, I well, wish you the you. best of luck on your your business, and I hope yeah. I hope you do real well. I know you're saying it's hopefully starting to take off a little bit more now. You know, yeah, post COVID, a, a little setback with COVID, but um, we're we're recovering good, and um, yeah, looking forward to the future and exploring where that will go and what new rivers will will take on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, should I, yeah, plug yeah. it like if you got whatever you <clears throat> have so to get in touch with you. Yeah, if anybody wants to um, uh, try to give this a shot, uh, uh, particularly the canoe aspect of it. Um, you can feel free to check out our websites, www.smokingrivers.com. And uh, you can email us at info at smokingrivers.com. And uh, we'd be happy to, to set you up with an experience that uh, you'll remember for quite a long time. 
Yeah, I can highly recommend Jason's character too, like and the the safety aspect of it too. I feel like uh, you know, um, you know, I I feel safe by myself, but I especially feel safe. I've been I felt safe with you, man, because you're not knowing my environment, not knowing you know my surroundings. Yeah. I felt very very good about your education level and like what you knew. You know, I want to say what you didn't know because I don't know what you don't know. I just, <laughs> I just know that you knew a ton. So, so yeah, I would highly recommend it. And just one more time, Jason, you do, uh, you do hunting as well, or you do? Yeah, river, we do river? a little bit of hunting, but uh, our our primary business is is uh, canoe trips, and I know that that's to some folks might not know what that means, but it's it's a lot like the hunting trips. Um, uh, just without the gun aspect, we we still get entrenched with the outdoors. Um, we substitute the lack of hunting with the excitement of running rivers, and um, and and often uh, most of our trips are whitewater rivers. We don't do really flat water trips, mm-hmm. um, but mild anything from mild whitewater to to really pushing the envelope. Um, and we have a we have a suitable trip and level for for all sorts people that have never even set foot in a canoe before. Mm. We take out all the time, um, and and sometimes we take out folks that are really experienced paddlers that just need that want to join the trip because we run a trip in the Arctic. In know? the Arctic, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just one example, but it's or we run the lower canyons of the Rio Grande. Or, or we run the Bonaventure on the Gaspé Peninsula. These these are trips that in the canoeing world, in the canoeing community, um, are sought after but not uh, easily achieved, uh, particularly on their own. They have to line up huge amounts of logistics and stuff like that. Mm. So that's where we would have an experienced paddler join join a trip like that. But we the whole gamut, we, we take all experience levels. Mm. And, um, and, you know, just give us a call or contact us. And, um, I'm sure that we can, we can set you up with an experience that will, will be top notch. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a ton, Jason. I appreciate that. Yeah. And Randy, thank you again for, for, uh, you know, another great conversation and, you know, for my, I think it was my third or fourth trip now to Maine. Yeah, I've met some amazing, amazing people. I'm you betting know. it won't be your last. I, I definitely will not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Lee Cantor, uh, Jake and Lisa Feener. Uh, who else? Oh, Nathan uh, Bieber. Nathan and Brittany. Brittany uh, yeah. yeah, and um, uh, I know that I didn't do a podcast with Hoss, but. You know, shout That's out right. to Kendall. I really, yeah. Kendall's awesome. And I don't, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody else. Uh, Kendall's family, I mean, yeah. but, and Lee and his family. <laughs> I, I had dinner with them. They were awesome. But, yeah, everybody I've met in Maine is like, you know, man, top notch. That's top notch. You know, you, you guys are great. And so, um, yeah, till we till we do this again. Mm. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank thanks you. for giving us an excuse to run around in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for giving me an excuse too as well. All right, guys. Yeah. Signing off. Bye. Bye bye.